I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? I have no idea if I'm doing this right, but I'm going to say, gentlemen, I think think it's happening. (laughs) I think it's live. I think it's live. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We're recording on the main one. You know that. Uh, Let's see. I see recording over here. I see recording over here. I'm seeing some waveform audio. I see the stream. Yeah, I think it's happening. So guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, we're live with Mr. Matt Leonard. Matt, what's going on over here is he's the original producer. He's the original guy behind the desk. And then we demoted him to co-host, which this is the shitty job. Um, (laughs) That's the best job. It is. This is fun. Co-host is the absolute easiest thing to do (laughs) because it's like, I don't know. I don't even know how what to compare it to in the skydiving world, but I have to do zero preparation because DJ always, DJ almost always knows more about the guests that we're having on than I do. And he's a Boy Scout, so he's coming prepared with some questions. And so all I have to do is kind of listen to the conversations. And chime in when you want. Yeah, just say, oh, yeah, about that. Let me interrupt you with some bullshit about me for a second. (laughs) Is usually how it goes. But uh, It works out perfect. Looks like you're doing great, though. You should keep it up. I'm just a little uncurrent behind the desk. So say, like, right now, if I were over there watching what I'm doing (laughs) from there, I would tell you that I need to turn the camera on to me right here so that people who are watching the live stream see me. Uh, But I forgot to do that because... uh, Currency. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not current. Every now and then I produce. And when I produce, he gives me shit. Like, when you said it, I saw it. Yeah. So guys and gals, Matt Leonard, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hanging in there. This is uh, an interesting show for me because every now and then we get a guest I don't know, and you and I have probably a total of 10 minutes of interaction now. I was going to go with like 11. 11? I'm Asian. You we kind of count shortchanged. It just happens, man. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of a cool chance for me to get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, honestly, ma'am, Nick said it earlier, shut up and turn the mics on because so far, I really like you're going to fit in with the show well. Oh, that's good. I usually don't fit in in a lot of places, so it's great. Uh, you're a skydiver. It's truth. Yeah. So let's give a little folks a little bit of background about you. First of all, where do you jump? Um, all around the world. Uh, my home drop zone has been Krosky's the past couple of years, uh, at least last year and this year. Um, before that, I was up in Essany and up Jumptown, up in the New England area. But um, now with everything going on this year, it's uh, everything's been up in the air. I'll be back at Krosky's in a couple of weeks, but yeah, for the most part, I've been jumping all around the world. Now you say all when you say all around the world, you really over the years turned more into a traveling guy you're going to events you're coaching you're doing a bit of everything yeah trying to um i uh this year went to like uh new zealand australia i was down in florida uh, i was in switzerland a bunch last year uh coached in italy to a bunch of different places in europe germany uh austria so life doesn't suck I want to give people the quick skinny on you, and let's see if I can do the quick version. Go for it. You started jumping in 2010. You really quickly got uh, connected to USPA Nationals, Collegiate Formation, or Relative Work Skydiving, and yep. Sport Accuracy. 2015, you decided your love was there. You started competing, and you competed advanced at USPA Nationals, placed gold, I believe, that year, if I remember right. Yep, my first year at Nationals. From there, you continued on. You have followed a pretty good path in the campy piloting world, including you've represented the U.S. team. Yep. Uh, you work for a friend of mine, super good dude. He is an idiot in my favorite way, sense of the way, Greg Wynn Miller. Yep. 
Um, Greg owns Superior Flight Solutions, which in my opinion, and I think many opinions, is one of the leading canopy programs in the world. Uh, Flight One does a great job. They're the biggest, so they're the best known, but Greg has built a huge reputation, and you are the chief instructor for the civilian or sports skydiving side. Yes. Do you feel like DJ just gave a book report about you? I was like, that's impressive. I couldn't have done that, and I lived it. (laughs) (laughs) He has two bios. One on, you're also a member of Team... uh, God dang, I was going to wear the shirt tonight, too. Uh, My Fly fly With Pride shirt from... Control Tower. Control Tower. And your bio on Control Tower and Superior Flight Solutions is identical. I just so happened to pull up a picture of you in a Control Tower jersey, just as you mentioned the name. It's like product placement. Look at that. Dude, it works out super perfect. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm doing my best. I also have a big fat Greg Wynn Miller face sticker around yeah, here somewhere. Yeah, I remember those. Oh, God. It's, it tortures me every time I see it. Oh, yeah. I think it tortures him every time someone else sees it, too. Because yeah. I wasn't. I don't think he's a, that big of a fan of him. I think it's hilarious because it makes him feel uncomfortable. So, <laughs> When he gave it to me, he gave it to me with pride. I got it straight from him. We were at... Oh, nice. Yeah, we were in Dallas. At he a, must not have liked you then. Oh, dude, we've never liked each other. <laughs> Uh, what's that stupid meeting? Standardization meeting for examiners. And we, yeah, yeah, we were sitting next to each other, causing a little ruckus, shooting the shit. And at some point, he gives me one, and I just stuck it to my shirt. And his face was on my shirt for the half of the meeting. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, dude, let's go." <laughs> Uh, so that's the quick background, and I say that because there's no sense in getting into that history because there's way more cool stories about you. I don't know about that, dude. You were in New Zealand. Where, where, what were you doing in New Zealand? Uh, I got a cool opportunity to work with um, New Zealand Aerosports, so I went out uh, and organized a gyro boogie. So as a PD athlete, that was pretty humbling and yeah. pretty rad. I uh, went out there, did that, um, and then went back to New Zealand and worked with. Uh, Chris Stewart, who's one of the testees for New Zealand Air Sports, and Max Benau, he's part of the Red Bull Skydive team, and we ran like a joint canopy course, and we had like 24 students the first day, and I think over the we had it over the course of like four days, and we had like 20-something students every day. So it was absolutely rad to ever work. It was with the New Zealand Skydiving School. So that's so. up towards Auckland? Yeah. Okay. But gorgeous. How much time did you spend off the DZ there? Um... I spent, I think we did like a date or about two days before we started the courses and then uh, like one evening before we flew out. What what did you do outside of the drop zone? Um, There was this cool like beach. I think it was called like Black Sand Beach. Yeah. Went down there. Um, uh, We ended up doing a few talks at uh, New Zealand Airports at the factory. So that was pretty cool. Just saw downtown Auckland. We didn't get a chance to really go. I didn't get a chance to really go too much around New Zealand. But um, man, it was gorgeous. The people loved it. I would go back in a heartbeat, hoping to be able to go back next year, like in their summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, man, it was gorgeous, though. I would go back in a heartbeat for sure. You met Valerie, my wife. That was our honeymoon. We did two two and a half weeks in New Zealand. Oh, awesome. And if I could move to New Zealand, I would. The people, the place, everything about it. The South Mm -hmm. Island is 10 times better than the North Island, and the North Island is great. Um, Auckland has this tower that looks kind of like the uh, Space Space Needle, Needle, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. We at Valerie and I actually did our anniversary, our honeymoon. So we did our honeymoon backwards. Everybody starts in Auckland and travels down New Zealand and then flies back out. We flew all the way to the South Island and drove all the way back up. We'll finish our whole honeymoon in Auckland. And our uh, honeymoon dinner, our big fancy dinner was in that stupid Space Needle with a rotating restaurant watching the world go by. That's pretty cool. Oh, super dope, dude. Oh, man. I fell in love. Uh, Valerie has this uh, desire not to move far away from family. My yeah. mom's Japanese. My dad's American. We've always lived away from family. Yeah. We have no choice. So for me, moving to New Zealand is like a no-brainer. Is yeah. the is fucking Hobbiton still a place? Yes. 
Holy Christ! What is yeah, it? Yeah, it's a huge the, tourist trap. The Hobbit, like stuff from the movie. Oh the yeah, Hobbit. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. That's awesome. They mentioned that. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see any of it. Yeah, I I didn't swing by it just because as much as a nerd as I am, I'm a fucking stupid nerd. I was like, I got better shit. I want to go kayaking. I want to go hiking. I want to go like listen. That's not very mountains. nerd shit though. No, I play D and D if that helps you. That's <laughs> nerd shit. Dungeons and Dragons, and you're you're. It's I'm a nerd. Nick will tell you. Um, but no, I wanted to hike. That was Mother Nature. Yeah. Oh man, it's yeah. absolutely unreal. It's um, it's super green there too. Mm-hmm. Like everything's green. You know what I mean? Like lush. Just, it was just yeah. Like sometimes you, you, you come mean you green in the hippie sense of the word, like renewable or green, like beautiful like green nature outside. Like beautiful nature, but okay. like everything seemed like super. Like imagine like just watering the whole world and everything turns really green, mm. kind of like that. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like you can go somewhere that's like. Let's say forest or things like like at least I'm from New England, so in the summer like things are green, but like I feel like it's just like a different vibrance of green. It was just gorgeous. It, a depth and emerald. It, it yeah, it was just like it's hard to describe. Yeah, but I was I was told after people found out I want to move there, if you can't leave America, the option is the Pacific Northwest. It can match the beauty and the people very closely. I've never been, brother. Go Oregon. Yeah. I'm in love with Oregon straight really? up. Yeah, a friend of mine is just moving up there. Um, Bo, maybe used to yeah, be like yeah, the yeah. He's uh, he just took over. I know he just signed up with Flight One and he's taken up over there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's one of my goals. He's been trying to get me to go out there for a while. Dude, go! It's beautiful. Bo and Riley know all the spots. Yeah, um, we know Bo well. Bo's mm-hmm. an old buddy. So yep. Uh, oh, you mean old old Jesse? Old Jesse. All right. mm-hmm. Old Jesse. We were at PD and we did five. How, what did we do? Seven shows in three days. Yeah, it was Damn. a bunch. Yeah, Bill, John, a bunch of other people. Nice. Uh, Anna Moxon's joined us. A, a yep. bunch of really cool people. And Jesse O'Neill was on the show. And I taught him AFF. Dude, he's such a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. I've known him for a while. No, I'm just <laughs> Kyle Peterson said, hey, and I, I don't know if you realize Kyle's the one who made sure you were on the show. Yeah, I don't know why. He just he seems to hate me half the time. He's excited to see me, and then he's really excited when I leave every time. Dude, he's he's a good kid, man. Um, Jesse was on the show and everybody calls him New Bo. And yeah. Nick said, we're no longer calling you New Bo. You're, uh, you're Jesse and he's old Jesse. So Bo's <laughs> just straight up demoted. Old, he's old Jesse. He's demoted. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got to put up with Riley. Or is it the other way around? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think they both have to put up with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They, they deal with it. They work with it. Yeah. It's okay. That's how it works. But no, it's, yeah. You've been doing all this traveling. I think, and really, I kind of want to get down to some of that traveling for a second. You're in town right now doing exactly what? Uh, so I came into town. Um, it was kind of like a couple things transpired. Uh, Lori at the drop zone had asked me to come down to a flocking camp um, and do some air-to-airs with her. I was able to work with her um, on a, a different project. So she was like, hey, I'd love to do some flocking stuff. I was like, okay, well, let's figure out a way either when... Either I'm doing something maybe on the East Coast and she comes out that way or we'll figure out a way that I come to Texas. And then I got invited to the Texas 10 Ways event that happened yeah. uh, this past weekend. And I was like, well, that's a good excuse to go to Texas, I guess. So I was like, maybe I can do a bunch of things all at once. So um reached out to her um, and she was like, yeah, we'll get a camp together. So I did the 10 Ways on Saturday and then did a, a little bit of air-to-air stuff, flocking type camp uh, Sunday and now today's Monday. Um, super rad. And then, um, since I was also down here, another friend suggested I talk to another drop zone on the other side of Texas and do like a canopy course. So it's my first time jumping in Texas. The first time I was ever here was at PIA two years ago. I think it was in Dallas. Uh, yeah, nineteen. And, um, so I was here for I was there in 
Texas for that. And other than that, I never had stepped really foot outside that Hyatt that the whole event was at. So I didn't really get to experience Texas. Yeah. So now I'm back. Dallas and isn't that great anyway. You didn't miss much. Yeah, that's what I. It was. I mean, the only, every time I was walking around, the only thing I could think of was like I, I used to watch. Uh, my mother used to watch Walker Texas Ranger a bunch. <laughs> So like I'm just walking around. It's the only thing I could picture in my head when I was walking around Dallas. Is I was like, "Is this how this really is?" Is like I'm waiting for you know, Chuck Norris to roll up somewhere. But no, it I, didn't happen, and I was kind of upset. So I'm always shocked by how terrible the road system is in Dallas. Do you get that feeling? San Antonio is the fucking worst. Is San Antonio worse? San Antonio and no Dallas. I get you. I'm with you. I'm not disagreeing. San Antonio, Austin. Every time I man, fuck. See, why? Austin, What's wrong with it? Austin? Doesn't feel as as poorly planned to me. It just feels overly congested. Like there are just too many people for the infrastructure that's Have there. Have you ever There's been to the Northeast? <laughs> no, <laughs> not I very much. Not driving. <laughs> yeah, that was a plan. That was planned for horse and buggy, and now it's just like, yeah. Well, we're just gonna make the road go this See, way now. But, but at least <laughs> there are a lot of trains in the Northeast, right? Um, that that makes yeah. Up for I mean, to, to some degree. I don't know if you know this about Houston, but if we were to try and dig a subway, we'd uh, end up with a whole lot of underground pools. I think so we can't we can't put in the the like if you dig a hole out here in DJ's yeah. yard, yeah. twenty minutes it'll have water in it. Really? If oh, you yeah. drain Why? your pool in Houston, it will literally come out of the ground. If you have an in ground really? pool, because we're at water level, there's so much water in our ground. We're so saturated. When they built the I Fly in Woodlands... Things I never knew about Texas. That's pretty deep. The plenum, is that the right word? Plenum's the basement, yep. The basement is underground. It, that was the first one with the underground basement? It's the first one of... Uh, yeah, the, what changes the shape of it so much is that most of the tunnels that you go to, the flight deck is the second floor. But the Woodlands was the first one where you walk in and you walk in and you see the flight chamber right there. So in order to move everything down, they got to dig more out of the basement. And uh, I don't think they <laughs> knew what they were getting themselves into because it... Flooded a bunch and caused Damn. them a lot of problems. You were you would be in the tunnel and walk out with a wet front because water would be coming up uh, out yeah. of, of the ground. Fly, flying That's in that crazy. tunnel when it's high speed, dude, it feels like you're flying in front of a fire hose. If if it's if it's flooded like nice. that, nice. That sounds exciting. It's, it sounds spicy. It's funny when you're there for like a for uh, about one minute. <laughs> no, for like we <laughs> were watch. there for yeah. a friend's birthday party. Yeah, a very silly friend, John Barry. Who who sent me a message today? Who I, I love was him. Super super happy to hear from. But you know he's a silly person. So when you're at John Barry's birthday party in the wind tunnel, also getting drenched by the tunnel, it's kind of fitting, it's silly. But if I was trying to work on something and not just have a bunch of silly fun with my friends, yeah, it'd be uh, n- not a great place to be. I I didn't enjoy it. I uh I've done a little coaching. I, all my coaching is an AFF instructor training mm-hmm. instructors. And uh, I was thankful every time I was doing rollover drills because being on my back, I at least wasn't getting my neck stung by crap. Damn. So mm. it, that that sucked. And also having the water seep through the vent holes of your G3 into your yeah, visor was you weird. See, and you see the water streaks going up the inside of that your visor. That sounds That's a trip. horrible. W- wondering what else lives in this water that's down in the, in the oh, basement. Oh, you just made it worse for me. Gross. Well, so you said that you were here doing air to air. I know what that means, but I yep. think there's a good chance that some of the uh, younger jumpers listening might not know. What what does that mean? So um, air to air stuff is more like when we take uh, parachutes, we go, we do a high pull, and working on more like relative flying with each other and with the parachutes that we have open at a high altitude. Mm-hmm. So working on whether it be uh, certain formations or just moving around. To I like to relate it just like almost any other skydiving discipline. So like in the beginning. You know, you work in a small group, right? You do two ways with whether it be belly or free flying, whatever. And then eventually maybe you get into more movement stuff, right? So um, for like angles and stuff like that, and you take free flying, you start moving all these pieces. It's kind of like more like what dynamic flocking and a lot of air to air stuff that you can do and, you know, follow the leader type stuff. Um, And it's good. It makes the flyer more intuitive. 
right, is the goal to be able to trust all the inputs and use all the, the full control range of their canopy and understand what it does and how it applies. Because, I mean, you use these skills, or these skills are not only applicable just for working with each other, but also, like, in a pattern. So, like, um, if you're following someone in, in a pattern and you want to back away off of someone, or you want to make sure, but you don't want to hose everyone else, how do you do so and how do you do it safe uh, and effectively? So, that was the goal of the weekend. How do you guys... Uh do you do anything different to communicate when you're doing jumps like this? Um, ideally, you can use comm systems. Um, so whether it be like Senna's or the um, Cardo's are also another one that's used. Um, you can use a radio system, but uh, if it's smaller groups, generally you just won't use it's a lot of uh, hand signals, leg signals, things like that. Mm-hmm. So like you'll be briefed on different keys, what different signals mean. Um, and just move on from there. So you have like, just like you would if it was a normal skydive, right? You have a uh, keys, like for if you're going to do, you know, hybrid and kick it to a sit or, you know, mm-hmm. in a key to a different belly point. Um, so, yeah. It, it was there. So you, it seems like you've done this a fair bit. Were there were there any uh, unforeseen challenges that, that came to you when you started teaching people this way? Was there anything you were surprised like, oh, shit, um, didn't, didn't see that thing coming? I would say anything that didn't like uh, I jumped up and I didn't see coming, but it's definitely a lot of like more in a teaching style thing. So uh-huh. like uh, just self-reflection on like teaching style. So like when you teach a certain type of person, so like whether you teach uh, someone in the United States from the Northeast versus from like the South, from like a European to like Germans, because they're definitely special on their own category <laughs> to the French who just doesn't uh, don't even show up till like halfway through the day and go like what I'm still here it's okay and they have like their coffee and their cigarette and think everything's fine <laughs> so like that was I think the biggest challenge that I found teaching um, was getting making sure that you can get the message correct to everyone uh-huh. um, and also reading them in their learning style because everyone learns differently sure so some people matter whether they're visual or if they're I mean, it's just like in the tunnel almost, right? You see, it's sometimes you'll see um, like an instructor, they're like, okay, watch me. You know what I mean? You'll watch an instructor do something and then it clicks for the student in their head. You know what I mean? Or sometimes some students will just like to, you know, do repetitions until, you know, they get turned blue in the face. Mm-hmm. Some people like to do one thing, get frustrated, move on to something else, then go back to it. So that was, I think, uh, the different cultures, I think, was a really good wake up call. They're like, everyone learns very, very differently. Especially the French. So, d- have you had to <laughs> <laughs> back to the French? It's funny that you're talking shit on French people. I like it. Um, <laughs> is there? Uh, have you taught someone that doesn't speak the same language as you? Um, I have. Where it's their uh, English isn't their first language. Okay, but so they're, they're, but they're still speaking some. Yeah. So um, it's rather. I did an XOW camp last year in uh, the French part of Switzerland, and I had a few students. And uh, one of them was uh, an instructor who was also at the drop zone. And he didn't really speak s- the best English. Like, he understood, but he loved the word attack. So, like, he'd, he'd like go, like, okay, so let me understand. And he'd do these hand signals, and then he goes, and then I attack. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, maybe <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> we'll use a attack. Soccer word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that was unique. And it, I mean, he was a great flyer, but it was just, like, one of those, like, uh, let's not... Go straight, full on dive bomb mode. It's like jump one, and we're in the mountains of like Switzerland. This is gorgeous, but let's not just go. It's not attack. For- <laughs> yeah, he's just like attacker, and I'm like, oh god, alrighty, uh, I might hit toggles on this one. <laughs> so you talked about the different ways that uh, that people generally learn. Yep. What uh, what way do you learn the best? 
Um, I like to get frustrated with something, move on to something else, then go back to it. Okay. Because um, if I just keep getting frustrated, like turning blue in the face, I just I just get in the wrong like mindset. Sure. So for me, I like working on something. You get to the point where you're frustrated, just slightly frustrated. You okay? Table that. Move on to something else because you always have 110 things to work on. So you'll go on to something else and then go back to that other thing you're frustrated on after, you know, whether it be a day or something or a couple of days, maybe a week later if it's in the tunnel or something like that. And then uh, usually it works a lot better when you're just in a different mindset. That seems like it crosses a fine line or could cross a fine line of procrastination. If you're like me, you go like the full intent of I'll get back to this tomorrow. And then 12 months later, you're like, I forgot. To oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. How do you keep that focus to get back? Um, well, that's a good question. I don't know. Don't be a lazy ass. I don't know. Um, true, legit, <laughs> legit answer. I'm in. Yeah, no. Um, I think it's like a tough thing of like understanding like, you know, you, you're supposed to get frustrated, you know? So sometimes I have a lot of students and they'll be super frustrated and it's like, why are you frustrated? And they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be better than this. I'm like, says who? How many jumps do you have? They go, I have 500 jumps. And I go, you know, you're supposed to suck, right? <laughs> like, I'm sorry to break it to you. You are really supposed to suck. <laughs> like, it's not uh, just because you have 500 jumps doesn't mean you're obviously magically an expert. Although, but what if I saw someone do it on license. YouTube? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, also by USPA standards, that is also uh, the highest rating you can get. So 500 jumps, you are the leading expert. But in reality, we all know that there's so much to learn in the sport. And it, there's just endless possibilities in every realm. Mm-hmm. I just started picking up wingsuiting last year because I had no idea how to do any of it. It is a pretty cool thing to like be a student in something again. You go, wow! I have no idea what's going on. DJ, so. you're pretty involved in the the world of USPA, I guess, compared to your average skydiver. Yeah. Do, do you do you believe that there's any plan to change those jump numbers and what they mean and add additional ratings in the U.S. system? Licenses, first of all, I wouldn't call them ratings. Ratings are instructors. Licenses are A, B, C, D. Not mm-hmm. to be technical, but that's, no, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Um, so to start there, no, uh, uh, no to the licenses, A, B, C, D, because they, what, what USPA recently did was make sure all our stuff lines up with FAI. And so as long as we're in coordination with FAI, so we are an FAI recognized organization, they recognize us, we recognize them, we recognize other FAI organizations and our licensing requirements weren't quite congruent with most other countries. So we matched ours to theirs. So we actually have it to a good standard now. Other countries do have like an e-license. And honestly, I think we should have it. I don't think the qualification is needed. I don't think it really applies anywhere. I do think it is a great goal. It's a great motivator. It's a great thing for people to just put their sights on. So for no other technical reason except for self-fulfillment, I think an e-license would be wonderful at 1,000 jumps or something. What about changing like the D or like raising all the standards, like making like a B license 100 jumps, C license like five, and then D like 1,000? What about something like that? Because of the FAI thing, I don't think it's going to happen. No? Okay. Um, which is why the E would come into play. I know nothing about the other licenses, so yeah. I was just kind of curious. I deal with a lot. He's, he was being very lighthearted when he says I deal with USPA a little bit. That's, I mean, gotcha. Yeah, it's a daily thing for me. I talked to the director of safety and training four times the other day for stupid everything different it's just my it's yeah, my yeah. life it's why you know greg which yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah for sure um but uh just to stay in fai with fai standards we want to match there so if other people do we might um so would you say there's a mismatch between the australian system and the fai system 
I would say yes uh, on the surface, no. But as I've learned more about the Australian system recently, their A license doesn't really quite equate to our A license. You actually have to do things to get your B license that you accomplish with our with our A license system or you're allowed to do with our A license. So I, I do think the APF is a little bit more stringent, but APF, uh, BPA, British Parachute Association, yep. which is now BS, because uh, they're now <laughs> British yep. skydiving. Yeah, I saw that change. Really? And, and you want to change it to BS? Well, yep. so they've How, actually, they have it, they have it in written scrutiny. standard saying you can't call it BS. It will not be abbreviated to BS. I'm not trying to be mean to them. It's just the fucking initial, initials BS. It's British, yeah, like a, British skydiving. Yeah, 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 it is. Straight British skydiving. Yeah, they should have had another meeting about that name. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, you know, Allie Milne. You might know Allie. I was talking to mm-hmm. Allie about this recently, and we were getting a good laugh. Uh, but BPA, CSPA, Canadian, uh, BS, all of them typically have higher standards than most. I actually have a lot of respect overall for their systems. What about like the French system? Because like, their canopy progression, for example, is like vastly different from... Oh, my God. Other, You're not allowed to touch front risers below like what altitude? In I don't know, like 13,500 feet. <laughs> feet or something? Yeah, you're not literally you're not allowed to touch front risers in France. You Your wing loading is the most governed wing loading there is in the world. Yep. Uh, in France, I think you're, you're not allowed to be on a what is it above like a 1.5 or underneath 2,000 jumps or something. It's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. It's like absolutely insane. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it kind of weeds out some of the people that were going too fast. But now it hinders some of the people that are, you know, progressing the way they want to. You know what I mean? So it's like this weird balance. You know, it's uh, so we'll kind of go back to where we're at with your world, and it's something that happened for so long. Canopy progressed for years tremendously, yeah. but canopy education did not. And instead of governing canopy education, you're governing canopy control. Where USPA yeah. was like, wait a minute, before we put any rules about what you can jump, let's start mandating these canopy courses. And the fatalities went down dramatically when the canopy card became a mandate, not a suggestion. Yep. And education, man. Yes, education these are problems. Education is key. Oh, thank like, you. Absolutely key. Like you can't. Uh, I don't know. In my mind, like the more you can educate yourself, like the better standards you can have. Like uh, once you start stepping away from that kind of stuff, I don't know. You just kind of lose sight of like what you've gained over the years, right? All the education that we have is from years of not doing things right yeah. or doing things differently. So when you take all that and say, you know what, let's just not pay attention to all this stuff, that doesn't really make sense to me. I think the whole education piece is like the foundation to how to go forward in any discipline within the sport. I love seeing how much better my students are than me. I love seeing how much That's super rewarding, right? If they're not, shame on me, dude. Like, what the fuck? We're not doing the job right. Yeah. You know a guy named Troy Fallon by chance? Very, yes, I do. Yeah. Troy to me is the perfect example of somebody working outside the box. Troy, if you don't know the facts, has too high of a wing loading and is doing too aggressive of a turn. Yep. Troy's done a crap load of coaching with Kurt. Kurt Bartholomew, if you don't know the name, look it up. With Greg Miller, if you don't know the name, look it up. I'm mm-hmm. guessing probably some with you, and I know some mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. When he came to me and said, I have this many jumps. I want to do 270s at this wing loading. Uh, I heard you were the guy locally to start talking about doing that. I'm thinking, you're an idiot. Yeah. But instead of assuming a damn thing, I asked him questions. And the more things he told me, the more I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on your ass. Yeah. yeah. And like if you seek out that education, you're doing it the right way. And you're going and you I mean, there's people that are dedicated. There's another student uh, up in the Northeast. um, His name's Jimmy Ford. Super good kid. He wanted to get in competing. And like when he had 50 jumps, his goal was to like learn to swoop. I think he has I mean, he has probably under a thousand jumps now, but 
I think uh, 800 of them are hop and pops. Like that was his one thing. Like I don't think I've ever. I think he's done like three belly jumps since he start like got his A license. Like I think he got his 2.8 way. He did like I think he did a crew stack, a crew eight way first, and then, <laughs> and then wow. actually asked USPA if he could have that count as his eight way. And um, Al King, who was like the yeah. I think the Northeast Regional Director at the time, yep. said uh, nope, <laughs> that doesn't count. So then he had to like go out and he had like however many X amount of belly jumps he had to do to do it. Did you know but that would count for his D license now? Um, that's just now. That was this was this would have happened yeah. a couple of years ago. I'm just curious to see who knows that. Do you know the D license qualifications? I saw the qualifications of two night change. jumps, Nick. Gosh, I I saw that uh, some things had changed regarding the night jumps only because we share a common friend who never wanted to do the night jumps to get her D license. Her name is Stephanie. Yep. I'll throw her under the bus. Sweet. But So <laughs> I, I really only know about it because I heard her raving about it no longer being a requirement, but I'm not aware of something that took its place. Replace the two night jumps, which are still eligible. Is that because of the standardization part? Because a lot of other countries don't do night jumps. I don't know if that has anything to do with standardization. I think it has everything to do with the community bitching for the last 25 years about getting rid of them. Mm. Um, I've been jumping since for 23 years, and it was a complaint before I started. So two night jumps still eligible. An intentional water landing. USPA is about to make a clarity because landing in a swoop pond is not intentional water landing. They want to actually deep body water because people are like, oh, I'll just crash in the swoop pond on purpose. I'm like, uh, let me call because that's they're like, no, don't count and it's not the intent. So intentional water jump, blue hole Belize. Uh, a three stack is an option. Uh, tw- 50, I think, landings within seven feet of the target. And how do you have to get all of these or do you have to, you have any to get one? Any one? Okay. I guess it makes sense, though, as people start to define what their desired discipline is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That someone, you know, that might have a lot more canopy Just in case skills. You like swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I don't. Don't make me do it. 20, uh, 100. Potential water landing. 100 successful swimming. formation skydives. At least 25 of them have to be eight ways or bigger or something like that. And they're all, in my book, reason, very, very reasonable. Very reasonable. If you're, if you're going out to achieve a goal of becoming... Uh, or learning and progressing within the sport as opposed to just doing zoo dives until you hit a thousand jumps and the only thing you know how to do is horny gorillas. Do a flip? What's do a flip? That's from Kyle Peterson. Are you supposed to do a flip today? I, I don't know. Am I? I have no clue, man. The, the little the little, little guy's telling you to do a flip, I think. So, Woo. did it. <laughs> there you go, Kyle. We did a flip. Did it. <laughs> um, it it's got, yeah, so the D license stuff has changed. Um, yep. Man, can't I forget? Oh yeah, we're we're progressing at different rates, and it's effing okay, man. Yeah, I mean it's completely okay. I yeah. mean that's where we we're kind of going with that was, you know, if you if everyone has a different desire in this, but what they want to get out of it, right? Yeah. Like uh, when I started, I had a really determined goal of just like you know do all these different things. I liked uh, I did like uh, two way at collegiate nationals, got my coach rating like just over hundred jumps, worked uh, solely at the drop zone, didn't really do many fun jumps for like i just wanted to coach learn how to do that i did a four-way for collegiates and then uh worked towards like my aff rating right when i could like 370 jumps or something like that like right after i hit the six hours of free fall i went and took a aff course i mean i did a bunch of like hours in the tunnel i did i think when i had like 330 jumps i started working with an examiner and just i had hammered out like 40 practice jumps before even who I was even that um andreas uh, Sobrakowski and Al King. I know Al and Matt Madden. Don't know either of the other names. I might so, know him. I just don't remember him. Yeah, uh, Matt Madden was working on his. Or people call him Matt Chang on Facebook or something like that. But he was uh, a mentor to me, like really on in the sport. And um, he was working on getting his examiner rating. He's an examiner now, but he was an evaluator at the time, and he took me on like 
don't know, probably 30 or 40 like practice jumps. So, but that was just before I had even gotten to the six hours. So then got the minimums and went to the course, did the course, did a, uh, a few of the practice jumps and then went hot as soon as I could. And just, I loved working in the sport, but I also like having a goal, but everyone's different, you know? Yeah. My wife did the same thing. She, uh, Jay Stokes and, and I are buddies. We worked on the same drop zone for a mm-hmm. while and Valerie, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, wanted to get a rating and the 30, 40, 50 jumps before an AFF course, she just started jumping with any of the evaluators she could, training all she could. The day, I think, before her AFF course started, she got her six hours of free fall and then entered the course. Yeah. So it, it's, you got yeah. a passion, you can do it. Yeah. I mean, if it's, yeah. I mean, it's just also, it's interesting because you have some people that appreciate that and recognize that. You know, you recognize that you see, like you mentioned Troy earlier, like, you know, his passion to just get better and do things like that. And then you have some people that are like, uh, you're just like naturally good at something. It's like, actually, no, you just didn't see the 40 jumps I just did practicing something because you weren't paying attention to my awkward, you know, two ways or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's, yeah, having a passion in the sport definitely helps a lot just progressing that, what you want to get out of it, you know? Most of us struggled more than any of you ever realize, and even then, those who are supernatural, and I know some really supernatural fi- flyers. Um, oh, they still struggle. They still work hard. They yeah, still struggle. It. They just Don't It's just not seen, though, you know? Yeah. No one likes to post on Instagram all the times that they're failing. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like when you look at all that stuff, it's like, oh, you know, it just came natural. You know, it's like, actually, no, there's a lot of shit that you just didn't see. But it's like all the cool swoop videos. If you ever watch a swoop video and you don't see the end, there's a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the coolest swoop videos I've ever seen. I never see the end because they're probably fat chows. They're probably in the middle of the pond somewhere. Yeah. So they don't end the best. Canopy coaching and canopy pro- progression. We talked about how education has really become important. Yeah. How long, when did you start coaching with Canopy? So I started coaching uh, 2015, uh, some basic stuff. Um, I uh, had talked to Greg, reached out. He was just retiring from the military around then and starting Spirit Flight Solutions. And he had asked, uh, or excuse me, he didn't ask. I asked him. I said, hey, what's your your plans? Um, And... uh, are you willing to like expand? And he didn't really have any plans. He called me back like a couple days later um, and accepted me to kind of work with him. And then uh, starting in early 2016, um, was 2016? Yeah, I think it was early 2016. I started working with him, followed him and shadowed him a couple drop zones, things like that. Um, and yeah, been doing it ever since. What's it like working with Greg? Pain in the ass. <laughs> he, uh, I, I like Greg because I'm not a politically correct person, and I'm I didn't not, notice. Y- you haven't noticed, and uh, I, I'm not. I, I respect people who are PC. If that's the way you live, that's the way you are. That's good, and I'll do my best to respect that and not speak ill in front of you. Because oh, for sure. I'm not going to. You don't want to offend any. You don't want to offend yeah. anyone. Just because I don't have values doesn't mean I should offend your values. (laughs) But, man, I love sitting next to Greg Winmiller because filter is out the window. Oh, absolutely. He he makes me look honest. Oh, yeah. He's very honest. Um, But now working with him has been awesome. He's very frank and upfront, so it's good. Um, So you know exactly what you get. So You get true input. Yeah, and I like that because I don't like, you know, beating around. If you 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 tell me if if I suck, I suck. That's okay. You know, you don't need to, you know, hold my hand while you do it. So. I love giving people praise when they deserve it. And if you work with me, you'll very quickly find out. I will shit on you if you deserve it too. 
um, not to shit on you and not really be that bad, but like, bro, that sucked. You need to fix that. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, t- we talked about today, uh, a guy I was coaching, and he actually, I, I was talking with him. We shit on Nick Serrera on the show once without using his name. I totally forgot about that. I don't know if you remember the story, <laughs> Nick. He, he was a young jumper, went to dinner with me and my wife, and wouldn't stop talking about skydiving when we were just trying not to talk about skydiving. Oh, after I, I remember the story, yeah. but didn't know that that was connected to him. Yeah. So I, I hinted at, like, on the show, like, hey, guys, if you ever go out to dinner with a full-time skydiver after hours, like, tell us about you. We want to get to know you. I got I just talked about skydiving for 12 hours. Let's talk about, like, TV or something. Yeah, I know. What you, yeah, exactly. Can we pick anything else? Yeah. But this, the best is also at boogies or something like that, or say like a drop zone fire at like 11 o'clock at night. For some reason, I don't know why, but some people find that the best time to ask for advice. Mm-hmm. Man. Over beer? Oh, oh well, not, I don't mind over a beer, yeah. but like at 11 or 12 o'clock at night after like seven cases of beer, yeah, maybe not maybe not the best time. But yeah, sometimes when you just after the drop zone talking about skydiving, you're just like, and I'm done with it. Do you uh, did you know a guy named Scott? Did know he's still alive? Kyle Schoonover. He was uh, yeah, he used to be the old uh, PD tour. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. Hey, uh, he, he used to work here. I trained him as an instructor, so an old friend. Yep. Uh, I love when we were in town events at events together because he was the first rep at dinner who would immediately speak up to the one fun jumper joining the group. Hey man, no offense. What you're talking about is work for every single one of us. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. got to talk about work, right? Yeah, so he was he wasn't even like shy about it. He was like to the point. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Kai was also super respectful. Oh yeah, for sure. So he actually lives three miles from me. Oh really? Yeah, dude. See him That's every awesome. now. And yeah, then. I know he came back and he's like a state trooper now in Texas, right? Ah, uh, yeah, something Is like that. Something like that or yeah, uh, something. Yeah. Wait, with today's society, we don't talk much about it. Oh uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. I thought you were on PC. Uh, uh, I'm <laughs> afraid of Kyle. Oh, there you Th- go. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, he no longer has a mohawk. He has a respectable that's, that's haircut. I was just about to uh, say his mohawk. I still remember. That's that's the only Kyle I ever knew. I never yeah. knew. I've only seen him with a mohawk. Yeah. Same. He's got a respectable haircut, married to adopted kids. Not there, I don't think he adopted the children, but he treats them as his own. Yeah. Uh, two wonderful daughters. Uh, super that's good amazing. family. Yeah. I was uh, good friends with his now wife uh, before his, um I don't know which one of the two of them I knew first. They're both uh, former skydivers because yep. Kyle kind of hung, hung, hung up the skydiving, at least for now. But, man, I, I, it's uh, Nick was the guy I was coaching today. There's that rabbit hole. Nick was the guy I was coaching today, and you and I joked about this. He was trying to do things he was brand new at. He's doing 90-degree turns for the first time ever. Yep. He had a very consistent, very clean turn. I said, bro, that's what we need to work on because if we can get that and we can get a good pattern, you're done. You're going to swoop. And, of course, he's not placing his turns at the right place at first. He's actually having to change his turns because he's a bad place. There's safety calls. He does everything really well, just not where he wants. And he was getting so pissy today. And his first 90, he walked away pissed. And I said, how many times have you flown that approach? I've been flying approaches for like a 500 jumps. I'm like, how many times have you flown that approach? Never. Are you so fucking arrogant? And you think oh, yeah. you're so fucking good you could do Dude, it the first time? Yeah. Dude, he works uh, he's, he's, as a tunnel instructor. He can do whatever. <laughs> that has to do with skydiving. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna. Well, I, I don't want to talk shit on anyone specific, but I did get that as uh, not as an excuse, but as a justification for why someone did a thing that they did. Because you're a I, tunnel flyer. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I'm a tunnel instructor. <laughs> like somebody said, I can do that because I'm a tunnel instructor. Kind of words. Yeah, oh, I've, I've just, seen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just about. Yeah, but that's just it's just funny that uh, among people who 
have been in skydiving for a long time and have seen that mentality come through and have seen that uh, justification. It's just a, it's a funny thing to bring up, but we're making yeah. fun of Nick Serrera. To be fair for everybody <laughs> listening, Nick Serrera doesn't act this way because he's in a tunnel instructor. He was an arrogant prick well beforehand. He's a great guy. <laughs> Dude, he's one of my favorite people to bullshit with. Um, and, and honestly, when I say he was an arrogant prick long beforehand to himself, he does, and he he, he says well, it's, it's like self satisfaction gratification, yeah. right? He's harder on himself for all the things that he's doing. Yeah, but don't be so hard on yourself. Number one, it's my job. Don't take my fun away from me. Number two, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I do. Why yeah. are you paying me, bro? Yeah, you're paying and, me. You might as well listen. Yeah. The great news is Nick. I finally shook out of his head after you and I talked. Yeah, yeah. He finally got shaken out of his head. I finally was able to find the right words, and that's the thing that drives me nuts about coach. How many times do I have to say it this way? Yeah. Twice and after twice I say it a different way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, that didn't click. You know, and it's not on them. So I guess it's on us now to like, all right, well, that didn't click clearly. Got to find a new way. Yeah. Every now and then I'll say the same thing the second time really slow to make sure I said it right. And the student goes, I'm stupid. You did say that the first time. I'm good. Yeah. The, oh, this <laughs> one, I love video. Video is awesome because then it's like, okay, what were you thinking? You're like, yeah, I was a wow, I wasn't doing anything that I thought I was doing. And it's like, yeah, I my know. legs were straight, man. <laughs> my arms it's like, were down. Yeah, man, it's so funny. You're like, you're like, all right, so why didn't you do this? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, after like three times of showing them a video of themselves, it's like, uh, uh, you know, you're doing this wrong. And he's like, yep. Okay, can you, can you change that? And they're like, I'll try. That's not going to work. Alrighty. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Own it, man. Ownership is such a huge part of the learning curve. Oh, yeah. 100%. You see this on video all the time doing basic courses. The video is the best thing. The wind turned me. It did? Yeah. Cool. Hey, see how your wing is straight and level here? Yeah. See how your hands are straight and level here? Yeah. Look how the left hand goes down. It did. The wing's still level. And a split second later, it moves. Was that you or the wind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it does what you want it to do. So strange, isn't it? I love it. I call it the disco move. So whenever someone like is reaching for the ground with one hand, they always do that disco move. So like they reach down with one foot, that hand follows, and for whatever reason, the other hand just goes, you know, Jesus, take the toggles. <laughs> yeah. He goes straight up, and then like, wow, I just slammed in in a turn. It was so weird. That was a weird gust. Yeah, the wind free- pushed me over and there. It's like God, it's like that, that freeze frame of them just like with this awesome like reaching for the ground with one foot, one arm down, the other one up. It's like John Travolta in the seventies. Hilarious. It's oh. Uh, regularly, Nick, you don't, you don't talk canopy course, but I'd say every other or every third canopy course, somebody has some version of that to a degree, if not every. My favorite one, though, is the guy who goes, that was the wind. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I get a lot of, I, I brief now a lot about target fixation, too. Mm-hmm. I had uh, someone that was like, all right, the wind's blowing me, and they look at a road, and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to land on the road. But it's like 90 degrees off of them. Like, you have to literally turn to hit it. And they're like, oh, God, I don't want to hit the road. I don't hit the road. As they're literally just looking at it and their whole body's turning, it's like, I don't hit the road. I don't hit the road. And wow, that's so weird. My whole ki- The wind turned me 180 degrees to hit this road. Yeah. Like, uh, actually, didn't, no, man. you looked at it and then you just, you literally flew yourself into the road. You go where you look. I, I tell the yeah. conversation in canopy courses, like, you, you ever been driving down the road and a hot blonde passes you and you speed up to check out this hot blonde and it's a dude? That's Everybody a good, laughs. That's a good, that's a good uh, analogy. I like that. And then you <laughs> realize you're swerving towards this dude you're randomly checking out. And it happens. No matter where you go, where you look. And then from there, I'm sure you've done this. It's like, watch, I'm not going to move my hands. And I look down and left and the head connects, the neck connects oh, the shoulders. Yeah. And because you look there, your hands naturally go wherever you look. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's a motor skill. The nose bone's connected to the hip bone. 
Is yeah, that yeah. connected? I, I don't know. Yeah. But I still love that a hot blonde drives by you and it's a guy. Because every dude has done that. Because I love dudes. Nick, you've done it, haven't <laughs> you? Have you ever seen somebody pass you and you like speed up to check her yeah, out? Yeah, but you know, so uh, <laughs> just to make it about me for a second, I had a, I don't know, you can say a brief obsession. It was maybe an extended obsession with wearing stretchy pants, like women's yoga pants. Super And my, and my favorite thing was when I would catch a dude <laughs> checking out my butt. Like this would happen a lot, like especially in the wintertime, like if I've got a hoodie on. Because with a baggy hoodie, like, upper body could be anything, right? And they'd see my fucking stretchy pants, and I would look over my shoulder just in time to see some dude mash eyes with me and with my beard as they were looking for the chick who's wearing the fucking yoga pants. And it was you. It was me. There you were. So so I have absolutely (laughs) been the dude to be checked out. But, I mean, you could absolutely argue. Dude, I loved it. Dude, bring every it. time, bring it. Is that what you were wearing? Yeah, because if, if that dude, because you were totally wearing stretchy pants yesterday. No, dude, you, you, I'll wear some for you next time you're here. Those were. Uh, well, if that's the case, I'm definitely dude, showing those, up tomorrow. Those are those are baggy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because if if he's looking, so, some of the ladies are enjoying the view too, and I'm fully fully okay with that. <laughs> I've I've known you for a long time with those pants, and I never had. To, it makes sense that a dude's checked you out. I get it. But I've I never, never thought about that. that. Yeah. yeah, you know uh, Hazmat. I, I feel like I've told the story on the show before. Hazmat, for anyone who doesn't know him, was a longtime tandem instructor uh, for Skydive Spaceland. And when in the middle of the day, when there are planes parked in the hangar, I've done this before, where you see legs beneath the airplane, <laughs> and you're waiting to see what. Oh man, what girl's got that going on? <laughs> And uh, so he runs over to me in the middle of the day. He's like, hey, man, I got to tell you something. He's like, I saw I saw your legs and your butt coming beneath the plane. And I was checking them out. And then it was you. And I don't know how to feel about it. I just had to tell you. The best part is, is he wasn't immediately turned off. He's like, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, you yeah. Are we going to the bunkhouse right now or what? He's just he's sitting there. Oh, yeah. I, def- I, would, I would do that. Yeah, that's it. Oh, God. That's Nick. Whoops. There he is again. Sorry, world. But shit's funny to me. I Don't like skip it. leg day. Can't, man. Every day is leg day. <laughs> so uh, sorry to make it about my butt. What were we talking about before that? I don't know. Now, yeah, now, I'm, now I'm just really thinking about those like loose pants you had yesterday. What yeah. pants did you wear yesterday? I'm not even they were sure. like Adidas. Oh, uh, dude, all oh, my those. pants are Adidas. Yeah, pants. Yeah, you just yeah. said he wears pants. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were just like the skinnier, like European type, like gym pants. Like, you know, you, not, you know why not, those are skinny? You know not, why they look that way? For, I mean, for Texas, I, I would consider that skinny. Well, I bought those in the little boy section, my friend. <laughs> That's why they fit me that way. You know the blue skies leggings that are running around? Yes. That's seen... what we're talking about. Oh, okay. The, no, he's wearing straight up it, yoga pants leggings. But so, I mean, with, it, with it, the blue sky no, leggings? No, so... Because that, that changes. Are you just going like straight... Are you going like the, you the leggings what, with... Uh, are you doing like the designs on the side too? A little bit. I have some that are that way. You have you cosmic I mean, like, ass. Yeah, but think think about like uh, like rash guards, like the people are wearing for jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah, that's like... It's, it's fucking spandex. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. wear that shit. I wear that shit like they're adult pants. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> but you <laughs> like it. You, I, just I, keep I, love, you love it. I love how it feels. I love how my legs look when I look at them in the mirror before I leave the house. Because you don't skip but, leg day. Yeah. Yeah, that looks good. And I, yeah, I like how it looks on me. And then I notice I'll see another dude who's bold enough to do this move. And I'll be like, man, I cannot stop looking at that dude's dick. And not in a way, <laughs> not in a way that it's like... 
I'm not attracted to it. It's just like, there it is. It's like a train wreck. You just, dude, you, your eyes are there. It's staring at me. That's how it feels. <laughs> and so, yeah, then I think about, shit, people are having the same thing happen with me. I don't think I can wear those stretchy pants anymore. So that's why they don't make an appearance until, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what finally inspires me to put them back on. But uh, maybe it's just like a depressed day where I need to feel better about. I haven't seen them <laughs> forever. It's been a minute. But Every- now I'll show up at the drop zone tomorrow expecting them. Well, now that we're talking about it, I know exactly the ones I'm going to put on. <laughs> the- He's thinking about it. So we did uh, the looking to build event. Uh, we It was just a couple free fly um, mm-hmm. uh, events that, that happened. Just a group of buddies that happened a f- uh, couple, couple years in a row. And it was like this... We had a running joke. You remember Harambe, the gorilla that yeah, yeah, shot yeah. in the zoo? It, forever, it was this running joke about Harambe and like how he was like yeah, exactly. the missing part of our crew and do it for Harambe. And the, yeah, and yeah, yeah I remember so, that. Yeah. So this was going through uh, like just during the events. It's something that was commonly talked about. So I found some stretchy pants that to get, put the legs together, you see a giant gorilla face. Oh, my God. And so those became my favorites for a while. And I don't remember those. I'll, I'll bring them out. You, you might not notice unless you are looking at my crotch and thighs together and my legs are together you might not notice it. you might just think it's some some weird design but i feel like i now tomorrow i'm probably gonna have I'm to wear showing it. up at the drop zone and the, specifically oh dude for i'm not gonna be there tomorrow i'm off tomorrow really yeah i'm gonna have well, to then that's that's pointless that to texas well now that was you just you just put that on like the I'll find, list of things to see in texas i can i can and now <laughs> i feel like i'm disappointed now <laughs> dude i'll send i'll send you some pictures get you i'll get, get me all excited <laughs> Gonna send dick pics to Matt Leonard. Oh, no, dude, they're uh, Harambe pics. We're just sharing the artwork of hey the man. pants. Everyone appreciates good straight. legs. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all straight straight male <laughs> stuff. I have never looked at Nick's legs thinking it was a woman's legs and a woman's ass. I will say Nick looks good in his yoga pants. I'm a very straight male, and I can still say. I mean, he's got a nice ass for dude. I noticed I, it at the drop yeah. when he was wearing yeah, those you, pants. You so I was like, that's damn. So, that's so flattering to me. <laughs> oh, he's lo- look at him blush. Dude, dude, he's loving it. Dude, you love it. There are a few compliments that I really, really value in the way that I appreciate a good butt compliment. So yeah. thank you. It was a good, yeah. I, I kiss like, you for it. Dude, I had a real flat butt for a real long time, so I had to work hard to have what I've got back there. You need to teach Hank how to do this. Dude, you just got to do squats with weights. That's I a, it. I got a pretty flat ass, so I get it. Yeah, man. Dude, front squats. You, you know what I mean when I say a front squat? Yeah, yeah. yeah front What's squats. a front squat? So you would think about uh, a squat being traditionally with the the bar on the, the back of your shoulders sure. kind of yeah. across mm-hmm. the, the, the back of your neck. Uh, a front squat, it's going across your... Like if you're doing a good front squat and the bar is in a good place, it's almost pushing against your throat to the point where it's uncomfortable. But it's... The guys so fingertips right here. like this, elbows really high, and um, I've it's, seen it's these uncomfortable, squats. but it's resting on the fronts of your shoulders. And man, that, uh, that gets my butt real good. I've seen those guys do those different spots. kind of burn. I bet I could bet I could good, even find a, a picture of it on the internet if I was producing a podcast and it's, wanted to show the world what I meant. It's a good, it's a good like, it's a good butt burn. You know, I, I am not the best at working out. I I don't have the motivation to work out. I believe I have the discipline because I'm actually a very focused person. Yeah. I just I, man, I'm 46. I'm in pretty reasonable condition. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I'm striving every day to be a little bit better. But man, I'm within a few pounds of where I'd want to be every day. So then that's all that matters. Yeah, I do. I'm one sixty. I mean, well, someone told me once that it was like it's all. It's, well, I think it was like two or three things. It's like one, you want to uh, essentially. It's not about necessarily like being the strongest or being the most athletic. It's, it's looking good naked. I'm and, losing right, li- uh, living a long time and feeling good. If you can do like those three things, like because you can feel good, but you might not be in like best shape. But if you feel good and you look good naked, that's 
you you doing it right, but then you know it's bad if you like do steroids and things like that. So live a long time, look good naked, feel good. I'm gonna have to skip those one of the, those. Those are the three things that someone once told me. The look good naked, I'm never gonna fit. DJ, do you have any interest in uh, ever getting on testosterone, supplemental testosterone? I, I'm very curious about it, but my biggest fear of that is I think you know me well enough that I I. I struggle with anger on a daily basis. My ability to want to tell somebody really? to get fucked. Dude, I am a very angry... Oh, that's imp- that's good. Yeah. Good to know. I, I str- I w- I'm going to find the button then. Yeah. I'm excited. I think, Nick, you know me well enough to know how hard I struggle with this. But I, I'm very successful at the battle. I, I fight every day. It, it is a thing. And testosterone scares me because the chemical imbalance and how aggressive I see some of those people get. We have a guy. Is who's that a real thing? I, I think so. I think steroids are one thing, uh huh, and testosterone is a very different thing. Where if you're going to someone who's like a qualified, uh, God, what would you call them? functional medicine person that's doing, they're doing a blood test. They're really listening to how you feel, and they're monitoring the levels of everything inside your body. Like if you just go buy steroids on the internet I'm and fucked. you inject steroids, yet who knows what you're gonna get whether you're getting real medicine and whether you're administering properly and what the dose is and, you know, how sustainable any of that is and what your body's going to do if you get way too much of that going through you. But if you have someone who tests your levels, treats your symptoms, is supplementing the, you know, the rest of your, uh, what you need with vitamins and making sure that you have a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet, that's pretty different than uh, I'm going to sit on the couch and inject steroids and expect to be a fucking jacked guy. Like, that's just going to make you super hairy. <laughs> I was going to say it helps your hair to fall out, but... Yeah. Sorry. I get <laughs> fucked. But, I can't, uh, but can't believe <laughs> you can see my bald spot from down if, there. If you're not active, I think they just make you fat. And oh, 100%. The, the, I think that's... That, yeah. yeah. So I one of, one of my fears isn't really the idea... Of, like, I definitely hear the steroid part, because we have a few roid heads around our DZ who, positive, they rage at people. Yep. Uh, over the years, my anger, a lot of people who know me well or who are around me enough, like they're shocked to hear I constantly struggle with anger and like just wanting to just punch the fuck out of almost every other person I see. Um, dude, you, 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 and know you said, so you're half Japanese, half, half white. I'm a honky. Okay. Yeah. I'm so a I, just, I was just curious where like the anger came from. Uh, I don't know if you like German or something I'm like that. I'm mad that I have a small dick, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It kamikaze, could be worse. Kamikaze World War II tiny penis all connected. <laughs> oh, my God, man. It's, it's uh, okay. It could be worse. It could be like a short man, but the only thing you got is a good look of butt, so it's Right? Fine. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm totally um, a butterface, too. It doesn't help. So I wonder, like, if my calmness of anger and emotional management is... It's obviously in part due to age and wisdom, right? But I've always wondered if in part it is due to just life chemicals balances changing. So like, I like the current balance I'm at emotionally. I think I do fairly decent emotionally. I th- Nick, thank you for the praise and the comments you give me because it helps motivate me to be better. Um, and so I wonder if I fuck with that good chemistry, what the outcome is, and that scares me. It really does. Like I, I'm that scared of that beast. I think you can well, always... I mean, as long it's good as that you recognize that, though, you know? And I don't know, again, testosterone, I just don't think it's quite the same as, as steroids when you're thinking about roid rage. I yeah. think that the goal, and this is, uh, my brother's a nurse practitioner that prescribes this stuff to people, and has tried to get me to be on testosterone for the last handful really? of years, but uh, I'm just waiting. I know that it's something that I, if I start it and I feel better, I'll never stop doing it. Gotcha. So I don't... So it's like one of those, like, uh-oh, this could be a dangerous... Yeah, maybe. And it's like, I feel pretty good right now. 
Like I feel good. I don't feel like there's anything lacking. Like your butt I'm, looks I'm, good. My butt looks. Mm-hmm. I got that going for me. Yeah, for sure. Sexy butt. But it's like I'm, I'm. I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to diet. I really enjoy exercise, and uh, I feel like my my body feels pretty good most of the time. Yep. But um, you know, from what my brother has has told me about it, and from people that I know who have started down the road of testosterone, I've heard people say that it levels out your mood and improves the the way that you feel. But this is, you know, this is someone going th- through a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner or someone who's qualified to prescribe these things and to monitor how your body's doing and making sure that you're being accountable for, you know, health and diet and everything else that goes with uh, trying to get benefits actu- of actually taking that medicine. So the other thing you mentioned is I don't feel like I need it now. And as you know, I have knee and back issues and I've been recommended certain things I can deal with them, whether it's surgery or treatment. And for me, the testosterone goes in that same path of, if I need it more later, would it be better not to have used it now? So when I need it more later, it's more useful? It's kind of like that antibiotic type uh, thing. Yeah. Right? Like you yeah. don't want to use it and then all of a sudden it becomes ineffective because mm-hmm. yeah. you're using it every day. So I heard it makes your dick bigger. Don't, I'm in. Well, Where I anyway, Let's go. go. Let's, Let's go. <laughs> on, on the way. Yeah. Man, I'm pleasantly average. I forgot who taught me that word this week, but I'm like, I'm Pleasantly in. average, yeah. Ple- pleasantly average. I think it was actually Nick Serrera, maybe. It's cool for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Still pulling up the rear. <laughs> you are? Yeah, I mean, let's just say what I got in the back, I do not have in the front. Overcompensating. So, yeah. <laughs> Sam seems happy. Well, she's delusional. I don't know. That I believe as well. She also thinks you're cute, so. The, the, and there you go. There's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I've totally lost track, but I, I want to, while we, we have a side note, I really want to talk about a friend of ours because yep. I want to throw you a little bit of public shine here, a little bit of public love, and Lori Pataloco. Yep. Lori, uh, Nick has just recently learned, and I think you've learned, she has been working with me on becoming a canopy coach. She's yep. trained a lot of courses together, and I remember the first time Lori debriefed somebody in a canopy debrief, yep. and this was just on coaching. We didn't We weren't in a course. We were just in private coaching. It was still remedial, so it was basic stuff. And, um, hey, see how you popped up right here? Yeah, yeah. You popped up because you let your toggles all the way up. And I had that look on my face. I'm like, uh, Lori, he popped up because he flared too much. Fortunately, Lori's very open to criticism. Lori takes it well. It yeah, was yeah. a student that we could work together. We got it all strained out. It became a joke amongst us. We played it out. Lori, this is a good joke now. I'm going to use this. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> Lori, like, yeah, just pick on Lori because she's fun yeah, to yeah. pick on. The old jokes today rolled. They were good. Yeah. You know she's 42. I just, there you I go, did. Lori, yeah, publicly. Yeah. Oh, she man. Looks Dude, she looks great for thirty two. I have, I had, yeah, yeah, I had never done that. I worked with her at a project in uh, like March was the first time I met her. Yeah, and uh, at a video blew, shoot. Yep, and it had blown my mind. Yeah, though, blew my mind. I was like, no way. If you don't you? know, so Lori, accomplished. She's beautiful. She's super sweet. She and don't look great for forty two. She looked great for thirty two. She looks great. She yeah, yeah. I may or may not yeah. have heard some dudes talking about who their drop zone crush is. Yeah. <laughs> she oh, I get so many people because they know her and I are uh friends and they know we cooperate a lot together. Yeah, and yeah. We, and we, we've joked around about how we're dating because of the stuff we're doing together. Yeah. And uh she struggled. I, every canopy coach I've trained was an AFF instructor first. Teaching an AFF instructor how to be a basic campy course is not as difficult as training somebody who's still learning the ropes. Yeah, for sure. And she struggled through some of it, and God bless her. She was dedicated. She was working hard, fucking work hard, as something you said earlier. And we recently sat down before her uh, recent canopy course during COVID. It was the end of COVID. We're about to open back up. Lori, it's time for you and I to sit down. 
comes over here. I debrief like three or four videos. I'm like, you want to take, she's like, yeah, I've been working with Matt Leonard. He's been working with me on how to debrief and how to talk to people and what to look at and what I'm looking for. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what you got. F and night and day difference. I will absolutely give Lori the credit for the hard work, the study, the dedication. Yeah. It's like one of those behind the scenes things that we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Like she's been doing a lot behind the scenes of trying to like progress herself and like, and it's outside of like the public light. You know what I mean? Like that's like one of those things. Like I just we just I came in, flew to Texas, and worked with her for two days. And um, CD was also an awesome, dude. Great dude. And um, but like that's something like, you know, it's a private event. Came down, coached them, and that's not something that people see. You know what I mean? But we just spent ten jumps sitting together, two days sitting together, uh, working all day. But you know, it's to some people's eyes, it's like oh, like what are they doing in the in the background? You know what I mean? And some of those people that are really motivated and passionate about something, it's super rad to see. You know. Um, but on the flip side, you have some of the, the haters out there that are like, oh, what are you doing? Why do you qualify to do this? And it's like, because they're going for it. You they're know working I mean? hard. I mean, she, they're working hard. Exactly. She hit you up for more information. She's hit you up for coaching in various types. You're doing a yeah. great job with her because I said and done, when you're done coaching with her, she comes back to me. So yep. I, I'm kind of like her slum. Like, she's like, I got to slum it for now. <laughs> and I get to see the product of what's going on. And it, every time she's worked or talked to you, whether it's with coaching or canopy stuff, it's always been a good byproduct. She's been yep. around you. You've been a good influence to her. So I, I in the well, ad good. for this show, I actually promoted you as a coach. And I'll tell you, it's mainly because I've seen the product of your coaching. And Lori is like you and I. Yeah, She's yeah. going to talk the truth. If she didn't like your coaching... She might not yeah, tell we, the world, but she'll tell me. Yeah, we gotta be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially like even in uh, well, I love like the old school phrase of what is it like uh, you know, praise in public, but obviously like scold in private or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, man, the my favorite kind of criticism is usually like the harshest kind of criticism because if someone tells you something's good all the time, I'll tell you right now that there's always room to improve, no matter what. <laughs> I'll let someone I says. I just need to interject because I just noticed this from Lori. Oh my God, I'm not 42. I don't know what that means, but I'm really happy that. So wait a minute, forty-three. Yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, 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 god! god. <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad you. I'm never there. invited back now. <laughs> You're invited back, just not with Lori. Apparently, you come back anytime <laughs> you want, man. As a matter of fact, Lori, you're fired. You're teaching all the girls canopy courses now. Uh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> right? Uh, actually, that's one thing she's doing. We are going to offer female-specific training, female-specific courses. awesome. Because like, from an old like self-reflection standpoint, I think sometimes uh, I've struggled in the past with sometimes just the way that I coach getting through to some females. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a style thing. It's nothing like information. It's just the way that I describe something or the way that I would um, relate information I've struggled sometimes in the past with certain females and I don't have as much, and I don't know if it's just, uh, or if it was a female male thing. I don't think it is, but it was just, maybe it's in my mind or whatever, but it was, I've struggled in the past with that. So I think that's a really great thing because it kind of gets rid of some of the stigmas in the sport. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah. I mean, there's some of the best campy pilots in the world are females. I mean, Dude. look at, I mean, Cornelia, I know she's been out here before. Kashiki is ex- kind of old man, school. Man, they're so good. And uh, so like the old school, like thought of, you know, like then. I don't know. I, what was it? PD did a PIA, like a Girls Can't Fly Parachute seminar, yeah. which is pretty rad. I think it was Laura but maybe who did that one. Yeah, Laura Golly and uh, Allison Ray. Yeah. And it was rad because, uh, I mean, they just went into the whole like mindset behind it and how, you know, different wing loadings affect parachutes and some of the old stigmas behind it. But I think, you know, breaking through that uh, barrier is something that's like really good for the sport. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's I think it's good. I think it's, uh, I've been told by many women, I've done a lot of coaching over years, like, man, you really, you, you get me, you, you work well with me, maybe because I'm a little bit of a bitch, I'm not sure. 
But no matter how good I can speak to a woman, no matter how good I can coach to a woman, a woman will get and connect to her better than I will. And for me, it's not even about necessarily the coach-student relationship. If you're in a classroom, and I've had this happen more than once, a gal come up to me after a course who dropped out mid-course and said, can I finish my jumps another day? I'll finish a classroom. I'm like, I don't care what your excuse is. If you don't feel comfortable jumping today, we'll finish your jumps another day at no charge. It's uh, it's a resident yeah, course. Yeah. I'm not going to make you feel uh, uncomfortable. And I've had more than one gal come to me like, yeah, there was somebody in the room. I can't tell you who. It was one of the guys. They're almost all guys. So yeah, it yeah. makes me feel very uncomfortable. And in every single one of them, I could sit here and think you're full of shit. But every single one of them landed like shit during the course. Yeah. And when they came to me for a little bit of private time away from that dude, they landed completely fine. Man, expectations. Like, you, the human mind is amazing. Right? When you start setting expectations and, like, having confidence, the other thing is that I've noticed, like, so one of the things that Greg teaches as well is, uh, like, that I learned from him early on was, especially when it comes to a lot of the more basic kind of skills, like, what, what we would say, I guess, basic, is if you have the confidence to fly a wing, like, that is your leaps and bounds ahead of, yeah. you know, where you are. When you remove that confidence... That's when everything starts going awry. And whether it be an external factor, whether it be you don't like working with that coach or you don't like someone that's in the room or if there's something in the back of your mind where you start setting expectations and you're doubtful that you can meet them, that confidence goes out the window and so does your performance. And it's insane. You can you can watch you can literally watch it happen. It you know? absolutely, man. It's take ownership. Take ownership in your learning processes. Take ownership that you can do it. And the rea- it's one of the when I deal with, I call it remedial coaching. I think you match the words. And it's use those people who are just having a horrible bit of landing. And I say, you actually know how to land. No, I don't. Yes, you do. We got to get you consistent. No, I don't. Have you ever had a great stand-up landing? But but no. Have you ever had one? Yes. It wasn't luck. It wasn't coincidence. Coincidence. You know how. Yeah. Let's you know the skill set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Consistency is where people, that's the struggle part, right? No I mean, matter what. Can, sorry, I'm totally interrupting you, but I no, just not. found this video on uh, on your Facebook page of you landing on this uh, this raft. Oh yeah, we 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 tell me about what's happening here. So, I don't so uh, <laughs> every every couple of years, uh, like or either it's at USPA Nationals or like they do some freestyle stuff. There was like a raft landing, like a money thing. So I think it was at uh, there was one that was Tyveer a couple of years ago. Um, but they did some uh, two way swoops and they had a raft landing at the end. Um, I landed on the raft. Was the only one to do it at the comp. It's exciting. Um, won like five hundred bucks. Hell that yeah, was cool. And um, and then a couple months later, they did one for. It was called the Four of the Legends. It was for. It was a freestyle meet that they did at Z Hills um, during the Hall of Fame inductions that happened at Z Hills. I think that was would have been what two years ago now, or a year year and a half ago. Eighteen and, uh, sounds right. Yeah, and um, late eighteen. Yeah, November of eighteen. So. And they did that again. They got a sponsor for like the controller. I actually sponsored it. Um, the uh, the raft prize, which is another five, which was five hundred bucks, and um, which was kind of funny because it's the team that I was on as well. So it was kind of just like this weird exchange of money, but it was uh, it was awesome. They did a raft jump again, and uh, myself, and then I shared it with Max Manow, who's also a really good friend of mine. So I've recently uh, got to know Max a little bit. Don't know him well, but exchanging some emails. I yep. deal with him for another company, and yep. really happy Max now. And there's another Max Kasowski is uh, his teammate. No, there's Mark. So Ma- is Max now, and then there's they're um, on the Marco eight, and Marco. 
Um, Max and Max are both on the A team for German swoop uh, team. Oh, Max Kozadowski. Yes. Both of them are super good friends. Yeah. So super they, good dudes. Yeah. I work with them a lot. We've done a bunch of really cool shit together between the three of us. Super good people. They both live in Switzerland and uh, they're at this awesome drop zone. It's in the right in central Switzerland, right outside of Lucerne. It's gorgeous. Man, Europe, I got to get out there one day. Is, like, is that where this other video is from? Well, there's a bunch of them. I see. Uh, oh, I have. Sure, it looks like Switzerland. I have our monitor off, by the way, Nick. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I am assuming that you. Normally, can see. that TV over there to your right is on and matches oh, everything we see. Gotcha. That, yeah, so that's me and Max. We, I get a. Max is part of the Red Bull Skydive team out in Europe, and um, I've become really good friends with the team and stuff like that. But I had a great opportunity to work with them and try some really cool things. And in this video, we had uh, um, a Spanish um, Red Bull athlete. His name is uh, Danny Roman. We started doing some like head-to-head XRW stuff. Oh, that pass! Uh, yeah, when you have like you know these two wings loaded at over like a three-four coming at each other with wingsuiters as gates, um, definitely something uh, pretty cool. So it's we've worked together a lot in the it. past, and and we're gonna keep working together. We actually started um, recently with uh, Tom Baker, so it's now me, Max, and Tom Baker. We started a kind of like a flocking camp called Flock and Flow. So we started our first one back in an XP of last year, and it's like all about dynamic canopy flocking. So um, hold on one second. Help people understand the term XP of last year. I'm thinking you're saying Nats or something. Uh, it was no. So um, I was we were at, we did it at Skydive X, uh, Paraclete yep. XP, um, and they helped us launch our just first event. Okay, uh, in XP last year. Yes. I sorry. thought you were calling it a date, XP last year. I'm like, what no, is No, no, no. Right, yeah, yeah, my bad. That's all good. I talk fast. I'm from the Northeast, sorry. The, uh, also, I have a funny I've, accent. I've resisted many times uh, throwing stupid lines from Goodwill Hunting at you <laughs> that I'm sure you've heard too many times. <laughs> so what's funny is I used to have a super thick accent, and then I got, when I went to college, I had a people made fun of me for it a lot. So I, I thinned the accent out really well, and then I went, got to the corporate world. I was a engineer for a little while and then um, in management and thinned out the accent. Like I just wanted to get rid of it. So then I ended up quitting my uh, corporate job to do the full-time skydiving thing for a couple of years, which was like now almost exactly two years ago. And um, ever since when I when about six months after I quit, the Boston accent came out super hot. Like just <laughs> it was just insane. Wicked hot. And it was people that had known me for years. In, in skydiving, we're like, is something is something wrong with you? And I'm like, no, everything's fine. They're like, you sound like you're fucking retarded. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Retarded. And I'm hey, like, you fucking yeah. retarded. And I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'll try and pronounce everything correct. And then obviously, if you stick a few drinks in me, that also doesn't help. So, um, Man, of all the fucking yeah. accents in the world, the, the Boston accent's one of my favorite. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it definitely sounds very like unintelligent to some degree. However, like Boston has like some of the most has like the highest IQ of like any major city in the world between Harvard and MIT. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those like you're just riding off all those fucking smart kids. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Spotty pants. But uh, <laughs> Nick's gonna quote Goodwill Honey for the rest of the night. Uh, Dude, I, how do you like them apples? I, see, that's the <laughs> one thing that I knew I definitely wasn't gonna say because I could imagine everyone saying that shit to you. You like apples? Oh uh, no! You so still have the stream on your phone, DJ? Just one of the, I do. We just make sure that we didn't drop it because Facebook's telling me weird we're shit. Okay, we're not. Cool. We're live. Then I'm we're not good. gonna refresh that page. It's telling me to refresh. The um, one of the funny things is uh, usually 
Oh, shit, I forgot where I was going with that. We're talking about fucking goodwill hunting. Yeah, talking I know. Apples. Go up to Harvard, fuck up some yeah. smart kids. You probably fit right in. Oh, no, excuse me. It was uh, when the movie Ted came out. Uh-huh. So everyone, uh, at least in the competitive soup community, a lot of people started being like, what the fuck is like wrong with you? You sound funny. Like I've known you competing since 2015. When I quit my job in 2018, the accent started coming out more. Um, also, I have a good friend that when he's from, I see him from New Zealand because they have a very similar kind of accent. When I talk to him, it's fucking all gloves come loose. It's uh, the accent's full on, but uh, everyone started relating me to Ted. So all of the sudden, every time someone's Kurt special will look at me and he'll go, uh, Kurt Bartholomew, he'll look at me and go, Hada, Hada, Hada. Just because that's every time he hears me talk, that's all he can see, and it's all he all he sees is you know this teddy bear trying to hump some hooker in this movie. So I'm glad that's at least the image that I leave people. Well, you are now Ted to me. It's uh, yeah. That's all you can hear, right? <laughs> it's all you can hear is Ted. You know, um, I'm not as good looking as or Matt Peter Damon Griffin. or Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So that's all people see is a little fluffy teddy bear. It could be worse, man. You can see a little midget with a nice ass. It's true. It could be. Go fair. fuck yourself, man. I'm showing flock and flow video right now. It had you on the screen. I feel like I'm doing a good job. <laughs> fuck both of you guys. So flock and flow well, is a new event you guys started yeah, doing so in XB of last year. Yeah. So that's where, that's where we were going before the accent. But um, that's where um, we're doing a bunch of. You think I'm afraid of you, you big fuck? You're crowding the fucking plate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're loving it. I love it, dude. I it's love making, it's dude, I, me laugh. I love that movie. <laughs> and if you, dude, if you want to have conversations consisting solely of lines from Goodwill Hunting, you got, uh, dude. I can nail the accent. You're just start, just start with like the first line of the movie, and just keep on going. <laughs> yeah, as long as we start in the right spot, I bet I could pick up most of it. The um, but no, yes, yeah, so we, we just saw him just... 20 minutes ago at the park. <laughs> we were gonna fight him. We should fight him then. We got snacks now. <laughs> Double burger. Yeah, Chuck, I had a double <laughs> burger. Would you shut the fuck up? I know what you ordered. I was there. I could do that. I could do it the whole thing. I'm you making me laugh because you're making me remember parts of the movie that I also forgot. Yeah, those bit. fucking parts of the movie. And fuck. yeah, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. That's why I shouldn't speak anymore. I swallowed, the, um, I swallowed a bug. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really am. I love it. I love it. I wish I could stop. It's uh, not that I can't stop. It's that I won't stop. The. Um, yeah, so the flock and flow stuff Sorry, is. I'm, to- I'm totally <laughs> this screen. I'm sharing with everyone too. Flock and flow. Let's please talk about it. No, it's um. So we did this cool event uh, in Packley. That was our first one, and then we also did a, a second one in Z Hills of this year. Um, it's kind of our second edition. So the the first one at uh, XP uh, was like a proof of concept. It was me, uh, myself, Max Manow, Tom Baker, and then we also had Mike Brewer doing video as well, and. The idea was to kind of just bring canopy flocking to more of like a more dynamic type stuff. So there's been some static stuff going on in the sport. Like uh, there was hop and flock that had uh, gone out. Kind of like end of the day boogie jumps, which is a bunch of like static type flocking. And um, we wanted to do a little bit more like movement based stuff. I know like the factory team did some stuff a few years ago or whatever, but they only did like one video and that was it. I'm like, you know, this is like something you could almost make like a discipline out of. So... Um, me and Max have been talking about this for probably almost two years before we did the first camp. And uh, we decided to say, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. So we ended up doing our first camp at Paraclete, and it was amazing. Like, uh, the weather was a little challenging. It was a little rough getting out um, at 70 knot uh, uppers, but, you know, could never be easy for the first time you do anything. So um, did that, 
had this, a really good uh, response, and then um, we did it again in Z Hills because um, uh, the new um, operations manager there is a good friend of mine. He was actually one of my original AFF instructors, Cameron King. And he's like, you know, he taught me a lot of this stuff actually back in the day, like when I first had started. So he's like, I want to bring this to Z Hills. So I said, absolutely. So we brought it all to Z Hills, um, added an extra group, and man, it was the coolest three days of canopy flocking I've ever done. And it was all with like students. And it was just to see the progression from the first day of everyone's kind of figuring things out to the last day when we're like uh, taking two groups and threading a needle between them. It was absolutely unreal. People were super tight. We got um, uh, performance designs and uh, New Zealand Air Sports were able to co-sponsor the event as well, which is really cool to get two major competitors sponsored the same event to me, which was pretty rad. Um, New Zealand flew out one of their um, testes that I was talking about earlier, Chris Stewart. And then um, I love the word testes. Can I say that? Yeah, that's why I keep saying it. Okay. I only <laughs> say it because like, <laughs> it just feels like it fits right in. It um, I, I love it. We were, t- we're testes. We were two we were testes. testes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I lo- yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I'm a testy. <laughs> <Fuck> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then PD flew out. Um, Roy Wimmer who's also an awesome photographer. And then we had um, PDR um, Marco Fiorst, who's part of the Red Bull Skydive team as well, came out and shot the last slot and. And we ended up on, like, I think two uh, magazine covers from that event, a centerfold and parachutist, um, and, like, a German article and a pictorial, and it was awesome. It was pretty cool stuff. I loved it. And we're going to do it again coming in the fall. We just we have plans with the drop zone. We haven't released the Facebook event yet, but we're going to do uh, our f- another Flock and Flow, which is going to be aimed at, like, some of the higher wing loading ranges, a lot more of our da- dynamic type stuff, and then we're going to... Do another event that's aimed more towards like the mid-range canopies, like the 107s, the 120s, um, you know, between like the 1.4 to 1.8 wing loading type of a canopy. It's a little bit more of an intro type camp into flocking. And um, yeah, it's, we're stoked about it. It's awesome. So with these flocking camps, do you ever go to DZs and do them that are running multiple planes at once? So yeah, so this is a good learning. Uh, we actually ran into this this weekend and um it was a really interesting because I had never met uh, Nick before this, so it was kind of an interesting conversation of you know how do you uh, make sure there's like education and understanding on both sides, right? Because it's things that I know I'm never I've never been a DZ manager, right? So I don't know what some of his struggles that he goes through. I can only picture like some of the things that I know, but there's a lot of things that I don't know. And then he came to me and he's like, I don't know any of this stuff. So it was a really good understanding of like neither of us know each other's roles, but we want to work together really well. I've worked with other drop zones, but every drop zone operates a little differently. Um, but running multiple planes, like as long as we're getting out, so which is a new thing um, that I guess was new to at least Spaceland this weekend, was we started getting out first, which is done a little bit in the crew community. So we got out uh, two miles prior on some jumps, and then what happens is, is we end up landing ho- within hopefully about two minutes of the you know the tandems or right after the tandems. Um, to kind of free up space for uh, other aircrafts because that's the last thing we want to do is hold up other aircrafts. And that's on like this weekend we were on, loaded at, I mean, I'm on a, I was on a Katana 120 working with Lori. And, um, I know she's 1.5. So yeah, so I think I was 1.6. And that's, I mean, not on the extreme range of... I'm sorry, of she was 1.55, that booty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 43. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I love you, dude. Um, you fit in so well. You're uh, abusive. Yeah, I know. And um, so yeah, we. I mean, but we were the goal is to obviously make it easy for the drop zone, like because they're accommodating us. We you know you try not to. I try not to be a dick, and usually if I am, hopefully I only get yelled at in the second day, not the first day. So worked out. I didn't get yelled at today. It was great. So um, historically, Spaceland's not a, like Spaceland on multi-plane days will even limit hop and pops because we'll have three or four planes running. Yeah, so I'm actually, actually curious from the feedback from like Nick on that, like That's, how it worked yeah. and how man, it, uh, with with two airplanes, it wasn't uh, it wasn't bad. I think that there's probably more that Spaceland can do to plan out uh, where airplanes are departing. And the spacing to try and eliminate those yeah. those sorts of conflicts. The the hard part in my experience is that the otter and the caravan different move climb at times. two different climb rates yeah. and fuel at different intervals. Yeah, that's so a it's, challenge. It's hard right to, there. to see all that all the way out throughout the day 100%. and to um, account for things like a go around or things like uh, you know yeah. a student rode down and now we have an extra half a minute oh, or whatever. whatever yeah yeah what, whatever you're is, coordinating or, or two maybe planes. we yeah, maybe we made a second pass for the student and then maybe they didn't even get out and now we have extra time in the loading area to get them off the airplane yeah what's the other so plane many what ifs time? so that so those you know multiple moving parts um obviously is going to complicate anything that relies on timing yeah but i think with the communication you had and uh the the, the the one plane that did shut down a couple of times makes it easier when we know that we have a, a shutdown coming to plan around it. Yeah. Man, it was very uh, little hassle. I think it was uh, a good day for it. Yeah. And uh, it was cool for me to learn because I would have, I expected your question to be, hey, we want uh, to be last out. Can we get this amount of, uh, of distance away from the drop zone to fly back? But your approach makes sense, yeah. and and I couldn't uh, shoot any holes in it. So uh, <laughs> you know, if if you were totally closed off to new things, you'd never learn anything, right? Yeah, yeah, so for I, sure. I trusted your level of ex- of experience that uh, with how much of this you do, you could probably bring some new knowledge and maybe some other things that we try in the future. So yeah, so ha- happy to be open to it. Oh, it was super rad. It was cool. It was a cool experience because like obviously I had seen like the drops and hadn't seen that approach before. Yeah. So it was actually super cool to see. I mean, when you get into like the higher wing loadings, when you start doing stuff on like the VKs and of lot of you know velocities or anything that's a little bit more higher wing loading when we get out you know a mile and a half or two miles prior i mean we're beating tandems down mm-hmm. i mean because we're screaming out of the sky even in a half break setting so when we did this event at z hills in the past i mean we were constantly landing with tandems and students um you know which it's just a different kind of struggle you know it is but i mean um from a drop zone standpoint they were like you're not even we don't even notice you you know because you're just getting out the only thing they do say is obviously that the pilots just have to be briefed thoroughly to make sure because obviously if that you're not descending in the same spot you guys are flying yeah well also just like um yeah that as well but i mean um making sure obviously because now they have to get kind of on a jump run a little early so it just mm. prolongs jump run a little bit so from like a drop zone standpoint you you know your jump run now is instead of being say like one mile it's like two and a half mm-hmm. so um that adds something to the drop zone for sure to consider and stuff like that i think that's but probably most taxing on the memory of the pilot just because that's it's, something yeah, that, uh, that they would do. Yeah, but I mean, do. yeah, for sure. It's just one of those things that's just also trying, you know, I try, like I said, I try not to be a dick. But even though a lot of people disagree with that, but, you know, it's fine. So I, I asked the question, and you actually beat me to the punch because I wanted to ask Nick what you did. I wanted the feedback as well from the DZ because I really would like to bring in somebody to do more canopy flocking camps like this. Yeah. Um, obviously, weekdays are the easiest with traffic flow because today was a walk in the park for you guys. Oh, man, it was super easy. Yeah. I mean, you, had, you didn't have any to worry about multiple aircrafts. 
I mean, like you said, the the communication is like the standard, and like being open to also shifting a little bit is easy. So um, understanding that obviously there's needs on both sides. So when you run, you know, like a camp, you know, the drop zone's like, okay, we're having a camp out. We understand that we have to flex maybe a little bit here and there. And also now I'm coming here saying, okay, the drop zone also has needs to make sure that they aren't being put out. So we have to flex there. You know what I mean? And uh, you have that good common ground and communication. And I've never run, I haven't run into a problem yet at a drop zone, but it's just weird mindset too. of people thinking like, well, if you're doing a high pull, you're going to, you're going to delay a second plane. Um, last year at Carolina Fest, um, uh, Shaggy was the manager at the drop zone at the time and uh, gave me uh, free reins to be able to organize some flocks uh, during Carolina Fest when they had three planes running. He goes, here's the deal. As long as you, if you don't hold up my plane, I don't care. But the moment you hold up my plane is when we can't do it. So they were in three aircrafts. We were doing uh, like uh, on Valkyries and Leia's and Petra's and stuff like that. So... We were doing the same thing, getting out first, and by the time you know the last jumper gets out on that you know free flight pass to the student or the last person out, um, we're already you know at seven grand, and they're just exiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like this weird thing. So we every time we would land, make sure we were landing, not the last person to land, and we could do it every time. And we weren't doing anything radical. We were staying still in a break setting. You know what I mean? Or in like half or quarter breaks. It wasn't anything like we're screaming out of the sky in full flight or anything. It was really hard for me just from the ground to look up at your at, at your group. Yeah. And, you know, I had a good idea of what Lori's canopy size was that she was flying. But to try and guess what altitude you were at from oh, the ground super when, super when, hard. when you guys are flying around from, you know, from starting at, you know, 13.5. But, man, it was hard for me to, to make a good guess about how, thought, how high I thought you were. Yeah, it's just like that visual thing. Like when I, we were walking in the other day, and someone actually said to me, "Like, oh wow, someone did another high pull." And you look up, and it's like, actually, that's just a tandem pulling at five grand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're so used to just seeing people at a, such a lower altitude in a pattern, they look up and like, oh, that tandem pulled at you know five or six thousand feet, but they're used to seeing parachutes open at three grand. You know what I mean? It's like that visual of like, oh wow, that's super high up, but um, yeah, it's not easy. I, I would like to see some more like sort of technological advance in like the flocking realm of some to be able to see where people are or something like that. And I haven't I thought about I played around with the idea with like I don't know if there's a way to like you can almost have like a transceiver or something like that or you know what I mean like they have super small uh transponders and stuff now for uh airplanes and stuff like that. But it'd be cool to like get somehow you know what I mean? I mean Just I think see it, that? Uh, one solution that might already exist is if uh, DJ and I did some radio comms for uh, some canopy stuff. Yep. And there were times, it seems like depending on different days, radios would work well at different distances. Yep. Where we could be really, really far apart and I would hear them just fine. Yeah. And then the next day that we would be closer and the radios weren't working very well. So maybe Send it's us, just... by the way. Sent us, yeah. Yeah. But maybe if you had the right uh, radio equipment and you're just coordinating the um, the jump between you and the other participants, yeah, I'm sure just announcing an occasional altitude would, would be uh, an easy thing to do. Yep. And just have someone on the ground with Monitoring a, another kind of end thing. of that radio to, to know yeah. where you guys are at. You can do that with radio stuff like that. So that's done um, a lot in like sort of like military flocking stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, just for communication purposes. But... Um, and you can listen because everyone uses radios, but like the centers are Bluetooth, so that's like a communication thing. Like, even when so, if you're doing using centers, even on XRW type stuff, just the distance sometimes in the plane, like you'll, the Bluetooth will cut out just mm-hmm. from the exit from like the canopy power to the wingsuiter. 
But radios, I mean, line of sight can go pretty far. Yeah, our radios to the pilot obviously work yeah. pretty well. I and just I mean, wondered if that was any technology that was small enough to live inside of a helmet to... Not inside of a helmet, but you can figure out ways to mount it to yourself. You know, um, I mean, between all the stuff that we did last night, which was the night pyro stuff, which was actually pretty rad. Um, but I've never done some stuff like that. And it was pretty cool that on a Sunday night we were able to get that stuff going at a drop zone that I've never been to. So that was pretty rad. We have a pretty blessed drop zone. Man, we that was the coolest thing to just roll up after a day of coaching and be like, hey, you want to come do this? And I was like, well, that sounds like the coolest thing on a Sunday evening. On I'm any not gonna, evening? I'm not, on any evening, yeah. I'm not going to say no to this. They want to light your foot on fire and fall out of the sky. Man, yeah. But talk about like a lot of stuff like on you, you know what I mean? Like just technical between like the lights and the pyro and oh, the buttons all lights. and all stuff. Um, that was pretty... I, I don't uh, know if you saw Jimmy's view from... Uh, Jimmy Wynn, did you meet him? One yeah, of, yeah. One of, the, one of the guys on the night jump with you. Yeah. I, I only asked because I've certainly been on... Bigger a few jumps, jumps with people it, that I don't know. I know you know, exactly. when you show up I met to. him. I met him when he actually walked out and was leaving. Cool, cool. Um, super nice guy. I, I saw him when we worked um, doing. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I never, actually never got a chance to see any of the videos because last night we didn't. Um, uh, yeah, I heard someone was in a hurry to kick you guys out. Yeah, just I guess trying. He to gets a little short with people off. sometimes. A little short. Great, yeah, great butt though. Great butt. <laughs> But no, it was super cool. I mean, I'd never been on something like this, so it was uh I don't know, it was a pretty unique experience. For those of you who listen to the show, uh Constantine and his homies, Matt Fry, they recently threw a Max Pyro event where they have hundred and fifty foot long sparklers flying off of their F and feet, did some really gnarly night jumps. And Constantine had some leftover pyro. So after this event, he's like, Yo, homies, wanna uh go shred a little bit? That's and so awesome. they did another pyro jump. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool to be thrown back to the last minute. I forget where I was going with that beforehand, but uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience. I've never done anything like that. It was uh, there was a lot of experience that it, that had done it between like Constantine, Matt Fry, some of the start skydiving guys, uh, Alex Lupson, Alex Hart, mm-hmm. who do a lot of like demos with this kind of stuff, um, and a few other people who have used this equipment before, and it was. I don't know. <laughs> what a for, crazy, for being, silly visual, for, though, right? Man, uh, also, my depth perception went straight out the window with once all the uh, the pyro started going. Like, how close am I to all these people? I have no idea. How bright is it being in that formation? It's bright. It's yeah. I Blindy? mean, I um, I didn't prepare well. I had a tinted visor, so uh, <laughs> uh, there's your problem. So, um, but I mean, uh, you love those monitors, don't you? It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it yeah. is so cool to see. I I uh, I stuck. I have, I don't care to watch night jumps. To me, there's zero interest in watching a night jump. I've done them years ago. Yeah, I'm yeah. over it. What the fuck ever. And when Constantine threw this event, I hung out. Like I, when I'm done working, I leave the DZ. Twenty three years on the DZ. I love my time there. Yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. you see me there, you know. Like, and uh, I'm excited to go home now. Yep. Yep. Dude, I couldn't wait to hang out at night to watch those jumps. It is. I've seen some cool shit in the sport. That's one of the coolest bucket things man, I've ever a, seen. Man, it was such man. a cool visual. Such cool, and something that I could never have imagined seeing either. Like you, like oh, that would be cool, pretty cool to see. Like at the visual wise, then you actually see it. And you're like, nah, it's still way cooler than I could have ever imagined. But yeah, I couldn't imagine because I bat- still I've never been in formation. I've told constantly like, yo, man, if you want to like, I don't like night jumps on a lot of people, so you're gonna do a two way belly jump out of a Cessna doing this <laughs> shit. I'm in. <laughs> and uh, Constantine's like, we'll we'll figure it out. Which I'm usually not a fan of night jumps, just because like it just it's so much uncertainty and my uh, vision isn't the best. 
And uh, I was when this opportunity came, I was like, I don't care any fear that I have as long as like I I have the vision for it. It was just more of like that internal fear of like I just don't not a big fan of night jumps. I'm afraid of the dark. Yeah, shit's scary. And uh, he said, you know, when this was all coming down, he's like, if you ask me if I want to be a part of it, and I was like, well, I'm definitely not saying no. So uh, yes, but it was pretty pretty rad. Man, wait till you, the glasses start getting to where you need both the bifocals. I'm trying to check my screen here real quick, and oh, oh my no God, stress. My eyes are shit now, dude. Old age has been really kind to my eyes. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's uh, clearly not kind to your hair, so that's fine. <laughs> See, uh, I'm fitting right in. We 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 knocked on him for being short. It's because we're nice from ass. fucking Boston. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Eventually, it's a fucking it's giant teddy bear. <laughs> wicked cool people. <laughs> fucking teddy bear. No, he believes in me. Yeah, exactly. No, right. I thought teddy bears were also a hairy thing. It's not you. No, for sure it's not <laughs> me, man. I, I walked up to Nicole Black today. I said, I can see your future. You want to see it? She's like, what? And I bent over, like, looking to the crystal ball. I just started. I've always, like, kept my hair short. Yeah. But I recently, I say recently, what, about two weeks ago, started shaving it just like, fuck it. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's funny as I just got, uh, before I came here, because, so I came down from the Northeast a couple weeks ago, uh, stopped in New Jersey at Cross Keys. Um, saw some uh, friends on the way down and then stopped at Paraclete, worked with Greg for two weeks. and um, Babysat then, Greg. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But he, um, before I left, he gave me a haircut and because uh, I had been in like quarantine for two months without a haircut. Um, I, had this, I had a pretty big beard going and um, I had a civilian course right after that. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to show up looking homeless. So he gave me a, a quick haircut with buzzes and then he gave himself a haircut and I didn't realize how bald Greg had been getting because he's also always just wears a hat so he has like the little like front flip thing going with like little long hair in the front and uh, it made me laugh on the inside oh Greg's then yeah well his hair yeah, 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 his hair. <laughs> his hair. You uh, don't know Greg. I can't, do wait, you, till Nick? I can't wait till uh, I mean, I, I don't I think I maybe met him or just saw maybe him a PA, PA, yeah. but I, I've seen him speak enough on the internet that I. I understand why you're making fun. And of And you've seen the red gimp suit. <laughs> <laughs> the red gimp suit's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, speed suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he wore a latex suit, black one, this year for Worlds in um, Pretoria, South Africa, and it was. Uh, he was definitely he was fast. Uh, he did break the world record for a round, so that was pretty cool. I did follow camera actually for it, and uh, that was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Why is that? Because I was also going pretty fast. <laughs> You're the second fastest <laughs> person man, in the world to keep it was, up with him. Uh, man, that was the most terrifying thing. So I was doing fall camera on him, and I was uh, he was wearing his black, and it was like a bondage suit. <laughs> like It was straight spandex bondage suit. It came with like a mask, and he just cut the mask off and put it on a helmet. Jesus. And, um, it really was like a bondage It was. No, no shit. It came straight from a, like a, whatever it is, like Adam and Eve type thing. Um and he's walking up to the loading area at, like just no shame everything I mean you talk about him wearing spandex wait till you see Greg who's you know all I, of the I'm scrolling all through the his photos right now hoping so badly to oh you'll find, find it. you'll find find the red but, suit yeah. stuff oh my god are you finding red or black no I'm finding someone who's Two obviously two? making it I get so excited I can't figure out what butt put button to push. <laughs> Th- this is what someone else shared. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For those oh, of you boring. just listening, listening, yeah. so someone took a picture of Britney Spears in a red fucking onesie from the Oops <laughs> I Did It Again music video and put Greg's face on it. It's, it's r- amazing. It's real great. But uh, yeah, he just 
that was the that would I mean that was his red suit. Essentially, that's identical, minus the moose, the moose knuckle <laughs> camel toe, whatever oh you want to call it. <laughs> you oh didn't notice God. that? No, I found it. I found it. But I mean, so oh, there's the red suit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and he, bro- I mean, he broke speed in that suit in uh, I think it was like 2010 in South Africa in the same place. And um, I mean, just he went no drag or, or no lift, if you would say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then he did it again this year in South Africa, wearing a black version of that exact same thing from a bondage website and um it just makes me think of the uh, was, the gimp from uh, pulp fiction yeah <laughs> but it was uh one of the most terrifying and most exciting skydives i've been on oh yeah like, it's, i think that. it's it's hard to see in this vi- in this photo but that that's definitely the suit you're talking that's, about that is the suit uh yeah it's all black just yep. super yep black shiny and sexy yeah, yeah, yeah. great so, looking real Oh yeah, he, he has no shame. If oh, you're in the army, not. special forces that long, you just get through. Oh, that. he has no shame. I mean, he'll wear those ranger panties every day, <laughs> and just oh yeah, with pride, man. Oh, it's, it's the only way to do it. He's a unique individual in in a lot of the best ways. And back to he won't hold any punches, and that's one of my things. Like I- anytime I've listened to him speak, it's been interesting. At PIA at the DZO conference, uh, he spoke. I spoke. Tom Noonan spoke. So I'm sitting yep. there between like, in my opinion, two industry giants. And uh, it, it was fun to speak after Greg because Greg went up, stood in front of all the DZOs and said, you're a bunch of window lickers. I don't know who he called a window licker, but you know he used those words. You know Greg. Oh, uh, yeah, he did. 100% window yeah. licker. And Crayon then I went up motherfuckers. And I gave, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> and I went up and gave a very professional, like, and somebody joked around like, man, Greg gave a great seminar, but it was such a clash between your two styles. Like oh, yeah, went, I, I can see that. Yeah. If you're in a course with me, if you're in my canopy course, I'll, I'll very quickly find out, hey, guys, uh, I need to find out where your limits are. Let me know. All my jobs prior uh, as a civilian were uh, contracted to Marine Corps. I always worked with Marines my whole life. My dad's a 28-year yep. Marine. Yep. I know one sense of humor. It's fucking vulgar. I speak yeah, English yeah. and vulgarity. It's the only two things I know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so when I get to be around Greg, I'm like, oh, man, after my heart. I'm, I'm slightly more PC than he is in courses and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he, he can read the room really well. <clears throat> and I'm, I, I'm slightly a little more conservative. But I'm definitely pretty sarcastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I'd say you keep students engaged, too. Instantly start making fun of them. You know, if they think they're doing great, take them down a notch. That way, when you build them up through the day, they feel great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you, you learn better with your friends than you do with your enemies, if you're having yep. too much fun, you're not learning. But if you're not having fun, you're not learning either. There's a balance of having. The classroom oh, yeah. should be a good time. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So how do you keep the classroom fun? Being like, Greg? Yeah, I mean, like in a in a sports sense, like uh, having a lot of realization, and also letting go of a lot of tension in the room. So, like, if you have a lot of students, and uh, you, I, my biggest thing is engagement, right? So, like, I want to get them to be engaged with me. I don't want them to start going off into la la land because they're not paying attention. But mm-hmm. um, also l- getting rid of their expectations because a lot of people come into courses with expectations. So they'll come in and say, "Okay, hey." You know, I'm here. This I have a, this very defined goal, and their goal is a specific thing. It's not just progress, right? So everyone comes in and says, "Okay, well, you know, I have to have, you know, in order to be good, I have to go from A to B," and it's never that black and white, right? So my goal is usually in the beginning of the day of a course to try and take down a lot of those expectations through like humor or sarcasm of some sort. 
remind them that you have 500 jumps you're supposed to suck type of a thing. But, um, and realize that, you know, like, the most exciting part about the sport isn't necessarily when you say you got there, you got to point B, because in reality, that point B is always going to move. So, like, to realize that you went from, you know, one step in the progression and you got closer to B, that's, like, the best thing and most rewarding thing in the sport, because you're never going to get there. Uh, You know, it's about, like, the journey that you make in the sport. It's not about, you know, going from the start to a destination, right? Because at the very end of it, I mean, you never... I mean, you guys know, being in the sport, I mean, it's not... uh, You never get there. You know what I mean? You're always going to constantly learn. You learn... (laughs) Are you hearing this? The um, (laughs) I don't even know you, but... um, He's great. I bet he listens to this, and he just needs to know he's wonderful. (laughs) And those hands. And a bit of a douche. (laughs) (laughs) He exits really close to other people in Free Fall and Pop and Pops, too. I thought it was the people behind him exiting. Oh, no, he went after... You did did a Hot and Pop, right? I did a Hot and Pop. I think he gave you a total of maybe 2.7 seconds in the door. I'm glad I was doing some flip twists on the way down. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, damn, that was close. (laughs) <laughs> Man, I, but I love what you say. It's uh, it's in, in a in a cliche way of saying it. It's not about the destination. It's about the, the journey. journey. Oh, that's exa- that's what I kind of preach. I mean, like yeah. when I when you go to like uh, say like a like a free fly skills camp, for example, and you work with people that have this expectation. Um, so I've worked with like uh, Tor Tor the past couple of years. They're European um, free fly group. Flores was in town. Or Flores, is in town. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. known him for years before he was even part of Tor Tor when he first started coming out. Uh, now that he's American. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so it was a, it was a pleasant surprise to see him. Um, but uh, I've worked with them for the past couple of years, and I'll usually get some students, and they'll and they'll come in. They have this, the same thing, this expectation. They go, okay, by the end of the week, I have five days of free fly coaching. I need to figure out, you know, I, I need to nail this. You know, I'm gonna get thirty jumps. I'm gonna nail this. I'm like, man, you have five hundred jumps. You're gonna leave this with five hundred and thirty jumps. Sorry to tell you, but you're still gonna suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just going to suck uh, a little less. You're going to suck a little less. You know what I mean? You're going to learn some things. You can take some things away. And a lot of it isn't even going to be necessarily like free fall later, whether it be like, you know, uh, you know, in the pattern, being in a different drop zone, figuring new things out. Like there's so much learning that can happen at such a young, you know, age and jump numbers. You're just a sponge of taking everything in. But people only look at it as like, you know, I need to learn from, you know, I need to be go from this shaky head down where someone can hold me to like, Carving around a head down group, and it's like, all right, you, that's sorry, but that's definitely not happening in thirty jumps, bro. Sorry to break it to you, definitely not happening. You're still gonna suck at the end of this. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not that great of a coach. Clearly, if that's your expectations, but w- enjoy the fact that you started somewhere and like you're gonna end up better than this. You're gonna have thirty jumps more experience that you gained and learned from someone, whether it be uh, you know Tex, who is also a home drops. Uh, it's funny. This is the first time I've seen Tex in. Uh, the United States. First time you've seen Tex in, in Texas? It, yeah, yeah. We yeah, call him a, Euro now. What's that, Euro? Euro, that's <laughs> funny. But um, I don't know. This That whole student progression of understanding that it's a journey and it's a progression. I mean, you talk to any of the top athletes in any part of this, and, I mean, it's constantly just going towards, you know, something, you know, greater. You know, uh, one of my uh, first mentor or not mentors, say mentors, but, like, um, role models, like, he didn't even know it, was Ian Bobo. So, like, uh, at the beginning when I started jumping, uh, I had never met him, whatever, but I saw I went to the factory team videos, things like that. And I was like, this is some cool shit. And um, all those expeditions they used to do. And, uh, I mean, now he's, like, I don't know, like 100 years old or something like that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he's still charging in the competition scene, 
charging on like different techniques, charging on like the mutant harness and doing all these things just because he's like, it never stops. You know what I mean? He's got like, I don't know, a bajillion skydives, things like that, and just constantly wants to push and progress. And it's the coolest thing. You know what I mean? You're like you never make it to that end goal. I don't know. So I try and tell that to students. They usually don't listen. They get upset with me and hate me, so it's fine. I, I would tell students, number one, if you leave any camp, any course, anything with a little bit more awareness, you've won. Yeah. That's what I look for when I go to something because the more aware I can become, then the better I can learn. I also tell them when you go to a camp, a course, or whatever, don't go hoping to do your best because I'll help you if you do your best. But if you make your mistakes, I'll help you more. Yeah. I want you to it, make your mistakes, I, not your uh, worst ones. I said this the other day in a course. I'm like, honestly, like if you do, if I'm running a basic camp course and everyone lands perfectly, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, I, you need to fuck up so I can teach you something. <laughs> like, yeah. So that way you can understand why, you know, a lot of the things happen or what led to that, you know, you know, fuck up, if you will. But it's, uh, man, it's the best thing in the world when someone's it makes these little mistakes, right? I mean, nothing detrimental, but these little mistakes and they go, oh, wow, I didn't, you know, it's something I don't normally do. I don't know what happened, but, you know, let's brush it under the rug. It's like, actually, no, this is an opportunity to learn because you made this little tiny mistake. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you went through turbulence or you went, you were off on your uh, pattern or whatever, and you went, went from like runway to grass and you, you know, went through a thermal or whatever. Or the wind just pushed you over. And you just magically turned yourself into a car. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> it happens, but I mean, uh, those are the those are the I think the opportunities for learning. They are the best, man. Go into any skills camp. Go into any course with number one the expectation to make mistakes. Like, be excited to make those mistakes. You're paying these guys. You're paying to someone to make mistakes. You're yeah. paying someone to actually suck. Essentially, is <laughs> gonna. Yeah, it's like, bro, I'm not the best at something. To help me out. And I don't care what level you're at. And, and I, I deal with a lot of really awesome uh, high-level athletes, not because I'm smart or good, but because I've been in the sport long enough. That's all there is yeah, to yeah. it. And yet you go to a camp getting ready to, like, teach me what I don't know. That's the first. When I go to anything I want to learn, my first thing is, is what don't I know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm open. Like, I, whatever I think I know, I'm, no, but teach me. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. It's one of my yeah. favorite phrases because yeah. it's. Hundred percent, the truth. Yeah, I, the one of the phrases I hate the most in teaching or training is "I know." Hey, uh, <laughs> Nick, this is happening. I yeah, know. I know. <laughs> you got me. And oh yeah, I know, but I know, but you do. You do have yeah. a but. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but I know. But let me I make up an excuse to make your opinion totally. I love obsolete. the but statements. Those are my favorite when you're teaching. It's like yeah, but are like, we hunting no rabbits? But. There's no but in any of this. Yeah, like this is a. Yeah. Yeah. When somebody says, yeah, but I'm like, are you Elmer Fudd? Yeah, but. Yeah, you know, but. Yeah, but. Uh, at this point, though, like, A, they took the fucking shotgun away from Elmer Fudd. I don't know if you saw that. This happened in the Did last they really? couple weeks. Yeah. This happened in the last couple weeks. I saw it on some stupid news like a PC report. thing? Yeah, straight up. And, uh, dude, I don't even know kids know who Elmer Fudd is anymore. I've, I'm 46 and got to the point where I tell jokes in class and everybody's like, you're my dad. Well, what was Shit. the joke that you made to, you told me something at the drop center earlier of, uh, about Purple. Grimace. Oh, uh, that was it. Grimace. I wear all these purple shirts looking like Grimace. But I mean, like, I, I, I mean, like, I've seen him because I know him from, like... Who's Grimace, care. Nick? Oh, he's that big purple motherfucker right, cool. on, uh... You know, now I don't remember if he's from Sesame Street or just from McDonald's. Is it McDonald's? McDonald's. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, like, I bet you Chilo knows. What's funny is I knew the... I never knew his name. I just knew that it was, like, the McDonald's dude. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's easy. 
I just never knew his name, but I knew like he had a character. Yeah. A buddy of mine recently, his wife put on a purple dress, and she's a little bit heavy set, not horribly so, but a little bit. And his wife asked him, "How do I look? How's this dress look on me?" And his answer, without thinking, he he immediately regretted it was, "You look like Grimace." He was telling us a story where like guys don't do. And then he this. was filling out divorce paperwork. Yeah, we were actually playing video games together. I was like, "Bro, what are you playing games together for now?" You supposed to be like. Uh, I'm kind of banished from the house right now. I'm like in my, I'm in my man cave because I can't go anywhere else. So I'm playing video games because I'm punished. Tricks on her, but I'm also in a lot of trouble. Don't call your wife grimace. Yeah, I would. No, it's definitely not on the uh, list of to dos. Don't do that one. I do like to tell my wife she's getting fat, but you've met my wife. Fat jokes with her is pretty easy. Yeah, that's true. I did meet her walking in here. It was it yeah. was interesting because I was expecting. Either you or Nick dance the door, and then your wife answered it. I was like, "Wow, wow, someone pleasant, someone nice." It, that, that's what I thought. I was also like, "Wow, good on you, DJ." Thank you, man. <laughs> I, I live in a beautiful house with like, a well, beautiful this, woman. I married. Yeah, they, up. Was, yeah, you you know you you're winning. I mean, in it's some called aspects, Ruthies. yeah. It's, I was about to say, I'm like you know, with that Asian penis. <laughs> you, you know the best part about being Asian? Girls don't mind ha- uh, anal. Wait a second. Hold on. Apparently, they still do. Um, Allegedly. <laughs> no, man. I, I am very blessed. I My wife. She's I'm, awesome. I met her skydiving. Uh, she is a coach examiner. She runs the mentor program for Skydive Spaceland. She's highly active in the sport and has a very wonderful job evident by this house. Um, yep. A full-time skydiver doesn't live in this house naturally. We marry up. <laughs> so so sp- speaking of kind women, I did promise mine I was going to be home at a reasonable uh, time. It's not my fault that you made mistakes. Hey, I love her. <laughs> She's real great. But uh, And we wanted y- a producer without coronavirus tonight. Yeah, I, I yeah, had originally yeah. told DJ that, that. I, that I wasn't going to be here. But uh, I'm really happy that I am because this has been a real fun conversation. <laughs> You're a real fun guy. But uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to make a five-minute call here. Let's do a five-minute call. Let's just start wrapping it up. First of all, and wrapping it up before we go any further, little sneak peek, Lori Pataloco, the winner of the PD Bullseye event. Yep. We're going to do the Texas Shootout Series. Okay. San Marcos, Houston, and Dallas. The top three of each place get invited to Houston for the finales. Straight up PD bullseye uh, style. PD LBL altimeters are both supporting the event, so we have shitloads of prizes. We're going to announce everything tomorrow. So for those of you who listen to this before That's the announcement, red. you got the sneak peek. Who's the featured coach? All free coaching throughout. Who would the feature coach be for this event? Lori. Lori right. Pataloco, dude. It's, it's That's so awesome. cool to see. I Most people didn't know. Last year, she came to me for coaching. Just like, I don't know what I don't know. What do you want to get? Accuracy. You should enter this event to get good at accuracy. Yeah, yeah. So she ended up doing it. I saw a passion in her, so I coached her free for the year. Yeah. For no other reason except for, you, you could do that every now and then. You just want yeah, to invest yeah. in if you have If you have a passion behind something, you want to help them. You want to motivate them to go there. You don't want to hinder their kind of So now she's throwing this whole fucking free series down. She's going to be the free coach. She's not charging anything for her time. And to see your student A, excel, and then B, give back. Lori, no matter how old you are, you will always be the shit. Um, 44? 46 now. She's at least 50. We're adding 50. <laughs> Just adding a year every time. The finale for the Texas shootout event will be the 
probably same day as the film festival. So those of you who are waiting and hearing, it is that time of year. We're about to announce a film festival soon. Nick and I, over the next two to three weeks, will get the details announced. Um, Austin, dude, we have a super dope film festival. It's a really cool thing. Dude, cool. I have a really good idea for the film festival. You're pretty for good the, with videos, For the video right? that I want to make. I, I do okay. I get I get lucky sometimes. You know I'm sorry. I've seen, a few, I've seen a few of your videos over the years because I think we've crossed it because uh, some of the SSK. Uh, you did SSK's videos. Yeah, I put together some of their stuff. And that's what was, uh, it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, not knowing you, but knowing you kind of a thing. Are you an SSK Thanks. athlete? Um, yes, you I submitted know, a I, bunch of stuff lying in the mountains, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 so that's that's I saw, I saw, I saw your the uh, all the videos of PIA and stuff like that, and I mean now I, there's a name to the face, yeah, yeah. face to the name. There, those were two. Did you see the two that I made with music and everything? There I saw the ones one. with music, and I, you do an awesome job. There was another one that we watched the other night, and we were complimenting you, but I don't think anyone would actually admit to complimenting you. That's because they're uh, smart and they know that I won't like it anyway. The uh, no, was, it won't. was like uh, we watched some video. I don't even remember what it was. It was something one of the events here that you did. Um, I don't know if it was. It wasn't. I don't know if something that or Constantine organized or maybe something that Matt organized. Anyways, oh maybe Head Up Records. Yeah, actually one? it was. It was yeah, uh, yeah, I really like that one. I really like the the beginning of that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got uh, Charlie were, Chaplin. Yes. Talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were watching that the other night at the Airbnb that I just stayed at, and uh, they were complimenting. The video style. I, I do so. appreciate that. That was yeah, that was yeah, one was that cool. I was uh, proud of. Yeah, at least someone's proud of you. Yeah, it's just if it's even if it's just one, it's fine. Your mom's <laughs> proud of you, even though that's, you can't maybe, maintain your wine. Yeah, man. As I we get drunk, get get crunk. <laughs> as we get wrapped up, man. Anything you want to share with your friends and family? Um, love you all. These are tough times. Man, it, it is crazy. When you see each other, love each other, respect each other, you don't have to agree to respect. You don't have to agree to appreciate. Oh, be yeah. thankful for your friends being there. Be respectful for your friends being there. If somebody's giving you a hard time, if somebody's a problem, ask them politely and nicely. You'll be amazed at how far it goes. Man, being polite is the... Was, and just being nice and not being a dick goes a long way. There's it's a, insane. There was a guy who was being a dick today at the drop zone about not wearing his mask. I'll leave it at that. I won't say much more about him. But I will say I asked him several times <laughs> nicely to put it on. And I could tell every time I asked him nice, it would piss him off more. So being polite was my way to poke his buttons. If you yell and cuss at him, now you're both assholes. Yeah. Be nice. And being be nice is it's insane. And I mean, now's the perfect time more than any, I guess, just you know, like we're all one species, yeah. you know? <laughs> I hate wearing the mask, but I see it as a sign of solidarity. So love yeah. each other, love one another, be kind, imagine John Lennon. I love the song, man. Mr. P. That's it for me. Yo, guys and gals, play that funky music, white boy. You know where the button is. He forgot how to do this job. You're guys and great. gals, Gravity Lab Radio. We'll be back next week. Uh, I got a couple guests lined up. Nick, we'll talk about that. We'll get the guests figured out. And then we will be taking a week off, dropping Tom Noonan from the Gravity Lab, the Land Air Show series. Is that what we called it? Yeah. Yeah, the air show. That's it. <laughs> man, so much. Matt Fry, no, Matt Leonard. Mr. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I just read Matt Fry's name. Mr. Matt Leonard, thank you so much for sharing no, your time thank with you us, for brother. Having me here. Awesome. Gu- guys and gals, blue skies, go home, get the fuck out, have a great weekend, go fuck yourself, COVID. Are we going to talk a little bit more about uh, Good Bull Hunting while the music is. Uh, you like out? apples? Oh, you can just go. Fuck yourself. You like them apples? How about these apples? <laughs> <laughs> uh, put your fucking mask back on. <laughs>